First round, make it count, toss it out, stir up the crowd. Second round, throw it down, knock a out, time to get loud. It's the Two Beer Podcast time. Welcome back to the Two Beers Podcast. I am pumped because we got the pig in the ground and the beer on ice. And all my routed friends are coming over tonight. Yeah, we got some guests here tonight, Drew. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. We got friends in low places. Yes, sir. I don't know Um, the words of the song or else I would have sang it. uh, Something about boots. All right, why don't you tell us what's on tap real quick, and then we will bring our boys in for the Two Brew Salute. Bro, we're talking boxing. We got Final Four hoops. We got the one on skates. We got the pit stop. And we're going to hit up hit up the parlay. And then a little little change of pace. Back back in week five, we did a whole Zapruder of the Montreal Screwjob. Well, this week, it's WrestleMania week. So you know what? We're hitting up a wrestling roundtable with our boys from the At Nightcap Recap. As someone once said, Woo! So let's let's bring in our our good pals Jim Berenger, Teddy. Uh, what, wait, am I gonna say it wrong, Teddy? Hey, you got it. You got it good in the in the mic check. So I think Te- we'll let you say it here. Teddy Rapantis. There That's it is. Perfect, my man. Very good. Very yeah, good. Yeah, I did it. I, did, I wasn't gonna go for the first name. We're going with Teddy. All right. I just want to say one thing. It's my. You know, it's our pleasure to be on. The, you know, guests on the single hottest podcast going today and and that's the two beers podcast that's the pod for the everyman that's the best podcast in the world today we are you and you, you are, are us. us that's right sir all right let's assume positions for the two brew salute ready three two one. Oh, that was glorious that was good, um, man. Yes, it was. Let me lead off here. I got a Trogues, a Trogues Lolly Hop Double IPA, 8.2%. Never had it before. A little Sipperoo. Yeah, it's good. Um, Drew, what you got? Oh, in honor of WrestleMania week, I'm going with the uh, El Segundo Broken Skull Steve Austin, Steve Weiser IPA. Uh, this thing might be a year old, but it's still good. <laughs> Teddy, what you got? What you drinking, man? And the same exact thing that Drew oh, was yeah. drinking. It's it's a wrestling podcast. It's WrestleMania week. What better time than to have an El Segundo Steve Austin Broken Skull IPA? Yes, sir. Jim, what you drinking? I opened up a Molson Canadian because yes. that's what I drank in college. Okay. So, I, I, honor of wrestling and a hockey on as well. My Molson Canadian. Yes, Molson and Labatt's. You got. I love both of those. Good hockey Cheers, beer. Fellas. <sighs> Cheers, I, boys. I feel like that's what they were drinking in Mystery Alaska Jail. I didn't actually pay attention to that. I'm it, sure they were. Um, they were yeah. definitely drinking that Molson Canadian. Ugh. Nice. All right. Well, uh, guys from the Nightcap Recap. Uh, you know, before we get any further, why don't you, th- why don't you, uh, Teddy? Why don't you throw out the the, the uh, Instagram account? Because um, basically, what you guys do is just live reactions to all kinds of different stuff but but your biggest thing is wrestling right now before we go further go ahead and throw out the instagram handle and then drew and i will get to our regularly scheduled nonsense yeah that's going to be at night underscore cap underscore recap you can find our weekly wrestling videos 
Uh, usually late Wednesday night is when we come on. We cover Dynamite and NXT. Uh, it's going to continue being Wednesday night, even though NXT is moving to Tuesday. But you can find us right there on Instagram every Wednesday. All right, sweet. I'm glad I got that in now because I'm definitely going to get drunk off this stuff and forget later. So <laughs> That's all good. <laughs> all right. So um, Drew and I have our uh, our usual banter to get into here. So, uh, Drew, Herring, Herring Frampton over the weekend. Um, so pretty good fight, eh? Little, Dubai. Little Hoorah. Yeah. Which yeah, there, you know, there was it, no, there was no um, fans. That was surprising. Yeah, I actually, I, I still don't know why it was in Dubai then. Um, yeah, exactly. why they just didn't do the Vegas bubble. I, I thought the whole point of doing it in Dubai was that they were going to have a little bit of a crowd, but yeah, no fans. Um, I, you know, you, I'm not really sure what was going on with the ring because everybody seemed to be slipping around. So, mm-hmm. uh, but that did not affect the fight. Um, you know, we we came into it. It was you know Jamel Herring in his second title. I believe it was a second title defense going up against Frompton, Carl Frompton, who was a two division world champion, moving up to one thirty to try to be the first ever uh, Irish Irishman to become a three three division champ. Uh, it was pretty much almost a 50-50 fight if you look at the odds. We went. I told you I joked about it last week. I went back about seventeen different times on who I thought would win. I finally just gave the edge to Frompton because of the experience factor. Uh, man, I, and Jamel Herring did not look good his last fight in the bubble. Right, yeah. I, I got to say, I don't know that I've seen too many guys execute a boxing plan to perfection the way Jamel it Herring. Was, it was beautiful. I, what, you beautiful. Know, he, he used every single inch of his, of his five-inch height and his seven-inch reach advantage over Frompton. Um, yep. You know, Frompton's only 5'5". Five, five. You know, he had to get on the inside to win this fight. Every time he tried to get inside, he paid for it. You know, Fra- or yep. Herring gave him that check hook. Check uh, right hook. Yep. Check right hook. Gave it to him early. Gave it to him quick. Um, Frompton and, was off and his the, And the straight, the straight jab, too. Yeah, Both the straight the, jab. The, the straight jab and the check hook were just keeping Frompton on the outside. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it was beautiful the way he was uh, he was executing. So, and not only that, but he was building off of those and yes. and hitting power punches too. So that was, I mean, and to the body, to the head, everything. Yeah. It was. And I mean, it the was first, awesome. you know, the first, the first three rounds, I gave all to Herring. Uh, I think Fromp- Frompton took the fourth, and then in yep. the fifth, your point, uh, Frompton he tried to get on the inside, and Herring nailed him with just a straight jab. Knocked him, knocked him to the ground. Uh, he got up. What, he round, what round was the uppercut? Was that six? The upper, yeah, the uppercut was in six. But in five, like, Frompton didn't look too bad. It just looked like he came in and got caught, um, yep, you know, yep. got just got a little bit dazed. Got He got back up, and I, he almost, I mean, you can't, to me, like, you can't really win a round after you get knocked down. Like, to me, that's almost right. always a 10-8 in my book. Um, but he almost did. I mean, he almost, he, they, he, they started to heat up and throw, throw exchanges where I thought Herring was going to, be in trouble and he did the one concern about herring was cuts and he did get a pretty nasty cut over his right eye late in the fourth round that did kept bleeding in the fifth um and then they go into the sixth round i had the score i had the fight scored 49 45 herring going into the sixth round and uh you know frompton frompton came in and boy he hit him with a vicious left uppercut that just completely floored him uh, I, I, I think there was a right uppercut. It was left. Yeah, it was left. Um, okay, I we thought talked the, about this before. Yeah, too, I, right? I thought the ref, the referee, gave him a generous fifteen count to get back yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> he really um, did. 
I, you know, I, and I, I, you know, I know, there I know was a like lot of three times, or four seconds between two and four. Yeah, listen, a lot of times they'll do that. They'll do that for the defending champ. They'll like give them the benefit of the doubt. But I guess just given the fact that it was going to be his last fight, they, you know, he let him go. He, he didn't even, he didn't, from what I could see, he didn't even touch his gloves. So, uh, for Opton, it was very similar to Josh Warrington. Like he didn't have, he didn't have spaghetti legs, but you could just tell he, he wasn't there and he was throwing but there was nothing behind it. So yeah. uh, it didn't take long. Herring, he closed the show. Frompton's corner threw in the towel. And Jamel, Jamal, such an impressive victory. Um, you know, the Drew, sixth I wanted round, to ask, did you, yeah. did you watch the, uh, the post-fight interviews? I did. I did. Excellent. Both guys, class acts. I was going to say, um, go, go ahead and finish talking about the fight, and then I, I wanted to touch on the interviews. Yeah. Uh, so, again, Herring, Herring wins, sixth-round TKO. You know, we... We thought it was going to go to the cards either way, and again, we we thought we, we both went for Opton. Yeah. Um, but again, it wasn't you know it was we we acknowledged it was a, it was going to be a close fight and come come down to uh, something. But again, Herring maybe maybe all those hours in the gym with the uh, with our number one pound for pound Bud Crawford, Crawford just started yeah. to stick because man, it was it was beautiful to watch. Yeah, yeah, and so afterwards they were interviewing uh, Frampton, and you know they were kind of going on and on and saying, you know, you're a great champion, and you tried to go three divisions and everything. And Frampton was like, hey, you know, I'm very flattered, like I'm very excited to get back to my family, but really, like you need to go talk to the champ. Like he he executed perfectly. He was awesome. He's been nothing but a gentleman in this bubble. He's like, go talk to him. And so. Herring, which was so weird because Herring like hugged him like four, five, six times. And I was like, this is so weird. But Herring was like, look, he, this guy is a legend in our division. Like, I, I have the most respect for this guy, you know, for him to come in the ring with to share the ring with him. He's like, you know, and, to, and then to beat him in his last fight. He's like, that was such an honor for me. I love the guy. He's like, I've been putting in the hard work. I know everybody doubted me. And, and I was just like, holy. I was like, man, Herring, because again. Bud Craw- he's a buddy of Bud Crawford's. Bud Crawford is, mm-hmm. has always been like a humble guy, and that's why we like him. And I was just like, damn, Herring, that's awesome. And then in Twitter the next day, Herring again was sticking up for for Frampton, and and I actually chimed in on Twitter. But I was, I was like, man, all right, he's he's a new favorite of the pod. For, forget forget the past uh, about about the missteps. You know, this we I, I we're all over this guy now. That, that, that was. Well, that was great. So it was his his first title defense, and um, well, not his first. I think it was his second. It was his second. Oh, was or maybe his second? His thir- yeah, maybe his third. But uh, oh shoot, I messed. Oh okay. Yeah, it, I, I think it was his second. I, I I've been sleeping on him. Yeah. Well, you know, it's okay. Um, yeah, I did find it interesting where people were like, people were like hating on him, like because they were like, people were saying, oh, like you know this one win we're acting like he's the best in the division i'm like no, nobody's saying that Every, everyone's just praising his like his execution and his game plan and just yeah. how he how he handled himself like nobody nobody's saying he's better than tank davis or shakur like no, like yeah. that's not a man oh god social media is the worst even though and i love even though even though i love it it is the worst <laughs> i know plus plus boxing fans aren't allowed to have nice things so no like, oh, we, we can't just like praise a guy for doing well yeah and like like grow, growing as a fighter um so if you're so the the big now you know I told you last week the reason why I was excited for the fight not necessarily because of the two guys involved like in their pedigree but that it was going to shape 130 so uh, Herring's going to have a decision here they're either going to mandate him to fight Shakur in probably I guess September 
or you know he's he's now got the one thing that Valdez doesn't have, and that's another belt. And uh, Oscar Valdez coming off of that tremendous performance against our guy Miguel Burchelt, um, I think that's actually going to be the next fight for those guys. I think I think somehow Shakur's Shakur's going to get pushed out of the picture again for a belt, and uh, the next fight those two guys are going to have is a unification title. So uh, that's going to be. I think I actually think Valdez would. That's going to be. Pre- you think it'll be twenty twenty one. Yes, I do. I think it's nice. going to be. The, I think it'll be the fall, um, mid fall, kind of probably October. Those two will fight. Maybe, okay. maybe Valdez squeezes one like tune up fight in there, um, and then I think they'll. I think they'll fight. I, I. I think it's going to be easy work for Valdez, just because I just think his skill set is just a lot more. It does. It does feel like he is a notch above her- Herring. I, I agree. Yeah. I, and um, I mean, I mean, you, I mean, just again, talk about execution, his execution, but the growth that Bunchell. Herring showed between fights. I mean, maybe, maybe he, he, fi- he finds another level. I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm done yeah. hating on the I'm, guy. Oh yeah. And, uh, no, I'm not hating on him. I, at this point, I, I would, I wouldn't bet against Reyes, anyone that he's training, yeah, except for, exactly. except for Ryan Garcia. I'll pick against him every fight for the rest of his <laughs> career. Um, yeah. But I mean, the guy's just like he's just training every. He's just training winners right now. Like nobody, nobody, nobody's getting even close to a loss that he's he's uh yeah. he's working with right now. So yeah. um, that's pretty much how it'll go. So yeah, so it'll be it'll be exciting to see where where they go at one thirty. Uh, and speak- and not to beat a dead horse because I want to move on to this weekend. But so if Shakur does get pushed out of this, like who's he has to fight? Soon, he's got right? yeah. Well, he's got he's I forget who he's fighting in June. It's it's okay. a decent contender, but it's not a champion. I, yeah. I don't understand why him and the uh, the Russian hammer Rakamov or whatever the hell his name was who uh, went sure. to the draw with sure. Diaz. Yeah, I don't know why they're yeah. not. I don't know why that's not the obvious choice to fight for that vacant title. I just I don't get it. It, it may, that's, yeah. why, that's why we say like boxing sucks sometimes because it's it's so clear so clear that that would be the fight to make. Forget forget Jojo Diaz. You know, to me he can't make weight. He makes excuses. I don't want to see him with the belt. Put Shakur in there with that guy. Like Shakur will dominate him, but you know it'll at least be an exciting an exciting fight. That guy will let his hands go. Um, and then again, we'll have four elite fighters at one thirty with belts. Three of which are our fight for top rank. Tank's gonna get stripped of that eventually with all his legal issues. Probably he'll. Who knows the next time he's getting in the ring? Oh yeah. Good so time. you know, top rank might control all four belts, and who knows? Maybe maybe Loma drops down and uh, gets in the ring with one of those guys. So cool. Yeah. Um. Good. Good stuff. So yeah. So this weekend, sneaky good card for free on ESPN. The undercards are starting on ESPN Plus, and quite honestly, the undercards might actually be worth it this weekend. Starting uh, for, at oh yeah. Five five thirty on uh, on ESPN Plus, and then um, ten o'clock on, on on regular ESPN. Uh, the headliner who we've been talking about, Joe Smith Jr. Uh, versus Vlasov at the light heavyweight one seventy five. Uh, really, this is uh, I, we can go over odds in a second, but uh, Joe Smith Jr. is not a prohibitive favorite, but he's the favorite, and he's supposed to go on and, and fight um, Better Beev after this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, how, I, pretty much is that how you see it going down, Drew? Uh, I, I think I think it's a closer. It's going to be a closer fight than people think. I think uh, Vaslov is he's a I think he's a more versatile fighter than Joe Smith Jr. But I think Joe Smith Jr. is just going to over eventually overpower him, and it's not going to matter. Um, yeah, you but I think I think I think I think he's going to stop him probably tenth round. But I think I think going into like the seventh round, you're going to you know not be totally convinced as to who's winning the fight at that point. Um, 
We talked about this one in a lot of detail before the fight, the week the fight then eventually got postponed because Vasilov ended up getting COVID. Um, so for a more detailed breakdown, you can take a check out that episode. But yeah, yeah. I, you know, so Joe Smith here, Jr. Here's the he's, he's the he's the okay. lunch. He's that he's a, a, a from Long Island. He's a lunch pail, uh, a lunch pail fighter. Uh, you know, he's a, he's an easy guy to root for. You know, he's his last two fights. He's absolutely looked sensational against uh, Jesse yeah. Hart and Alvarez. So yep. uh, it'll be exciting. I'll tell you, like, man, him and him and better BF. Whew. Yeah, I, 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 if that's a live crowd, that might be one worth going to. Yeah, so Joe Smith is minus four hundred, and Vlasov is uh, plus three hundred. Oh wow! Okay, uh, so the, 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 it's, you said tenth round. You yeah. you are. Do you look at odds beforehand? Because you no. are always all over these. No. Oh, the over under is minus is is nine and a half, <laughs> and and it's minus one fifteen on both sides. No, you know right what? Now. Like I just I just I go on box rec and I kind of just look at their past like five or six. This is what I do. This is what, remember remember when we went to the racetrack that one time and we were almost one hundred a hundred thousand dollars from M and M's. Um, that would be cool. <laughs> uh, I just kind of look at their past. That's five. funny to us, but that's really weird to everyone else. Yeah, don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> so I just look at their last five fights and I kind of get a feel for. Like, are they knocking people out? Are they going to the cars? What rounds are they going to? Yeah. And then I watch, you know, I'll, I'll go to YouTube and watch their last fight. Um, so I think, you know, I, th- that's how I kind of come up with where I think they're going to land. So, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm going to say 10th round, 10th round stoppage. Okay. Um, so to, for Joe Smith Jr. to win by any stoppage is minus 110, which is the probability, the, the fav- favorite of probabilities. Um mm-hmm. For Joe Smith on the cards is plus two ten, Vlasov by stoppage plus seven fifty, and Vlasov on the cards is plus five fifty. Uh, the tie is plus twenty two hundred. Usually they're plus eighteen hundred. So really don't think it's going to be a tie here. The tenth round stoppage drew is plus eighteen hundred. So it's eighteen to one. Ooh, um, ooh, ooh, we might be throwing a five <laughs> ski on that. Um, and it, just that, to know, like, and just, like just so you know, because a lot of people think like you know we only get excited about undefeated guys, but I mean, Joe Smith Jr. is 26 and three. He's lost fights. Uh, you know, Vassal is 45 and three, you know, both these guys have lost fights. You know, it just shows you, you know, you don't have to have a zero in your record to, uh, to be good. Like, yeah, you, you, yeah, yeah exactly. you learn, like you learn from, you learn from, from defeats and you get better. And that's what, uh, that's what Joe Smith Jr. has done since he lost to, uh, you, you said, you said 10th round, I'm going to go, I'm going to go 12th round stoppage. Okay. Yeah. Final round stoppage. He, Finally I'd be I'd be floored if it goes to the cards. Um, um, actually, you know what? I take it back. I'm gonna say 11th round because if it goes 12th round, I, I think he's probably ahead at that point, and maybe he doesn't risk it. So I'll I'll say 11th round. I don't know, 11th or 12th. I, I'm not good at these things. 11th or 12th. What do I know? Okay. Um, so, you know the weight, but, what's what, what what weight class is this? I said it earlier. It's light heavyweight plus 175 Woo! or once 175. I love it. But the awesome thing is, there's two guys I'm jazzed about on this card and the undercards. Yes, big uh, the baby. guy who we could, we couldn't remember his name, Jared Anderson, Anderson, big baby. He's eight and zero with eight knockouts. He's six four. He is a physical specimen. Oh yeah. And um, he he re- he knocked out the guy. Uh, he fought. I don't even know the guy's name. It was an eight. Uh, it was an eight round bout, and he knocked him. I forget what round he knocked him out in. I don't think it was the eighth, but. He he's he's a scary dude. Um, so he's on this. He's a heavyweight. He he's on this this card. Um, and then the other guy I'm excited about, also at, at uh, 130, is um, who really only has seven KOs. But his last time out in the bubble was mm-hmm. he just 
and maybe he was just fighting a total jabroni. And, and looking back at the highlights, that's what do you have pink hair or pink shorts or something like that? I think pink shorts. Yeah, and a really goofy haircut. And and he got knocked down like a thousand times. And Conceição just dominated him. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing a, a second look of Conceição. A lot of knockout guys on this card. Uh, yeah, like almost everybody yeah. on this card is a knockout artist, and but but those were the those were the two undercards. The other guys I'm not as pumped about, but Conte Sal, Jared Anderson, and then obviously Joe Smith Jr. Yeah, ah, and then we're getting them all for free this week, so woohoo! And then I'll tell you what, not to get too ahead of ourselves, we get a little little break next weekend, and then in two weeks, Navarrete, Navarrete, and, and Berlanga on the same yeah. card. Oh god, oh. that's gonna be and that's gonna be a live crowd in Miami. Woo! Oh god, I can't wait. Glorious! It's gonna be exciting. So yep. Um, yeah, it's All gonna right. be great. Beautiful. All right. Um, we've I mean we've uh we've we've turned our guy. They're gonna hop back on here, but our guy Teddy's been uh he's he's becoming a novice boxing fan thanks to uh, thanks to our influences. So we're spreading it's the two beers effect. Absolutely. I'll, I'll hop right back in here. And, and I got to say, uh, Drew's been sending me Twitter links of, of highlights of some fighters, and he's been keeping me updated. Uh, I've been listening to the podcast. You know, if you guys say that it's going to be a good card, I'll usually come home later on a Saturday night. I'll throw it on if it's a free free card. And I'm loving it, man, getting me back into bo- into the boxing game. Oh, nice. yeah. Maybe maybe Teddy will fly with us to uh, to London, to Wembley, if uh, they can figure <laughs> out this if they can figure out this Joshua Fury thing by Saturday. I'll tell you what, I've said it several times now but there is so much talent in boxing right now it's yeah. just the disjointed nature of the sport suppresses how much talent there is right now but there, yeah. there's so many fun guys to watch yeah. i couldn't um, agree with you more on that seriously i mean bo- there's a lot of good boxing talent and you know i've gone away from it a little bit and i've come back and it just depends who's fighting really yeah to see you know for the title or whatever the heavyweight i know everybody like here's my two cents on the boxing before we move on Everybody's always infatuated by the heavyweight division, and rightfully so, because you have Mike Tyson, Holyfield, all that stuff. But if you really look at it, you go where you know Mayweather was, where Pacquiao was, yeah, Lomachenko is. That's where the good fights are really made, and that's where people need to be paying attention. Uh, he, Jimmy, Jimmy knows how to stroke the Loma sexuals, bringing up Loma. Oh, <laughs> oh, I, I, I felt guy. that in my loins. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> um. All right. So. Moving on to the final four here. Um, yeah, Drew, your boys—they did not make it. Um, the 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 mustache uh, aficionado Timmy, Timmy, Timmy was just, was Timmy. just not not good. Um, so really, it was Baylor blew out um, freaking Houston as you called. Um, UCLA gave Gonzaga a Everything. hell of a game. Everything. And then Suggs hit that awesome bank shot to, to send them to the finals. Yeah, I gotta say, I that 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 shot's right up there with the Steph Curry the Steph Curry like almost half court three against OKC to win the game of shots that I'll never forget wow. where I was when it happened wow. and be screaming like a lunatic when it went in like my dog was going crazy on saturday night <laughs> that i was i was just going so wild when suggs now first of all i love suggs so it was even more awesome but i i i was just so mad that like kylo ren was like sticking three-point daggers in gonzaga's hearts and doing all that crazy <laughs> shit and then suggs just beautifully knocks that shot in um 
Oh, yeah, God, it was, I, such, I, it was, was such a good game. It was so late. Everyone in my house was sleeping, and I just, I just did that, the, the, the typical. Oh my God! And yeah, so that was that was fun. I scared then, the crap out of my girlfriend during that play. Uh, she was <laughs> she was uh, texting on her phone. I'm sitting there on the couch. The shot, you know, the shot goes off, and I go, "Oh my God!" And she's like, she like freaked out. It was the funniest thing. I mean, I was watching that game, and I'm like, "Oh man, we're gonna go." Another overtime. Here we go. The best game of the tournament by far, UCLA and Gonzaga. I agree. And these two guys just going back and forth. Two great teams. I see the shot going. I just had that look on my face when Aaron Rodgers had that Hail Mary against Arizona. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, mouth wide open. I'm like thinking to myself, you cannot be serious with this shot. <laughs> to me, it's up there with the Leitner shot uh, for Duke yeah. all those years ago. I mean, just the, the buzzer beater, everything about it, the reaction. But – you know, I, as I said, you know, earlier in the week when talking about this game, for Gonzaga, it's so hard to play a game against Baylor, a championship game with so much emotion after playing an emotionally yeah. charged game with UCLA. Their their emotional tank was just empty, and you could see it from the opening tip. Baylor just did whatever they wanted. They took control of the three-point um, shooting. too. They were more physical. Yeah. Every time Gonzaga had a run in them, Baylor stomped it out. They were great at the free throw line. And, you know, this is why it's so hard to go undefeated in college basketball because you have one game that's so emotionally charged, and if you don't have the proper time or rest to come back from it, you're going to lose the next game. Yeah, it's not It's not like the NBA where you can lose a game one in a seven-game series and, you know, re, reset and recharge. We basically said the same thing, Jim. On. We, we we attempted our first, like, live video Twitter thing, and J.O. did it perfectly and was looking sexy, and I effed it all up and couldn't even – I couldn't figure out how to get on video, and then I kept getting disconnected like an asshole. But, uh, yeah, that's what I, I, I thought Baylor would win the game because I just, I just had a bad feeling that Gonzaga wouldn't, wouldn't be able – to come out of the gates with a lot of energy because of everything that game and just that that shot takes out of you. But also, like I, I don't want to take anything away from Baylor. They were the second best team in the country all year. Incredibly talented. They got pros in their in their backcourt. Uh, tremendous athletes um, in the front court. So it's not like you know I, I don't want to make up the excuse that oh if Gonzaga does, you know if they blow out UCLA that they're beating Baylor. Like Baylor certainly still could have won. I was the game. gonna say. I think it was. I think it was just the perfect storm as to why the game was so disjointed as it was. And I mean, yeah. Suggs, Suggs picking up those two fouls early was just a killer, absolutely yeah. killer. Well, here, here's my thing though, and and uh, you know, point taken on the whole emotional thing, and you guys were right playing overtime, and you're tired and everything. But when those Baylor guys are standing next to the, the Gonzaga guys, it looked like. The varsity team versus the eighth grade team. Those dudes were <sighs> jacked. They were yeah. muscular. Like like Gonzaga would would get a step to the hoop on those guys, and the Baylor guys, the recovery rate and the quick t- the quick twitch muscles in the, in the calves and the legs, just to take off from wherever they were, even though they were beat, and to oh. jump. And reject. I mean, how they were beat like I know, several I know, times. I know what the title of this pod's going to be: Quick Twitch Calves. Oh, <laughs> the, quick, the, quick, the Quick Twitch Calves. Oh, dude, they just. I mean, they I don't disagree. But I can't disagree with yeah. that at all. I mean, 
Those dudes were working out with, I think, the football team during the offseason. Seriously, or they they outmuscled them, yeah. out athleted them, out everything. I mean, Gonzaga went up against some good, like some of the best teams in the country this year. That T- also Timmy's mustache in. had nothing for uh, him. You, you're all right? just such no. a hater on Timmy. Um, Timmy, he, Timmy, they looked like the monsters, and Timmy looked yeah. like looked like uh, a reject from uh, <laughs> yeah. a, a spare the part. The Toon Squad. It, yeah. In, t- in Teen Wolf, he looked he looked like he was a, he was a throw a, yeah. cast listen, off, a cast off from Teen. Hey, Wolf. Pr- hey, props to Timmy though for that uh, post game speech. He got his guys together in the huddle after that. You know, for a, what is he a sophomore, Drew? Yeah, he's a sophomore. For for a, a young guy showing a lot of leadership, that's that's a, that's a good sign for that program. Yeah, Jay was just gonna shit on him anyway. Uh, yeah, they're, never, you know they're, they're never winning anything. That was that was their best shot. <laughs> this was, this was year, the, this was yeah. the, this was their year. Program. Yeah, it was it was their year. Um, Forget that program. But for everybody, nothing. everybody, I oh God, that's why I said we don't deserve nice things on social media. But like <laughs> people that were like, oh, like you know, you just show Gonzaga they don't play anybody this and that. Dude, Gonzaga's that Gonzaga's non-conference schedule this year was incredible. Oh, every like, year they yeah. have the best non-conference. Yeah, schedule I mean they play year, they, yeah. they they play and even when when Baylor canceled the game on them like early in the year they they went out and got Virginia in like three days who was one of the top ten teams in the country. Yeah, like exactly. they played good teams. They played athletes. They played guys. Again, I I would have loved to see them with a week off to see how that game might have gone. But you know what? That's that's the beauty of March. You get you get two, yeah. you get two days and you got to get back in it. And that's why. Uh, you know, you get some of the upsets that you that you get because you don't you don't have the luxury of a seven game series. So, yeah. how about uh, the Baylor Bears uh, canceling the game on Seton Hall earlier this? Oh year? yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. dude, total total cowards. Um, <laughs> but I do have a uh, I do have a jail. I have a trivia question for you. Teddy okay. already knows the answer, and Jimmy B, you probably already know the answer to this. Okay. But let me find it real quick. Oh jeez. Hold on, oh, I got yeah. it. No, 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 no. This can be good. Which division one coach? Has never lost a national championship game. You ready? Okay. Mike Mike Shashesky, Brad Stevens, John Calipari, Mark Few, Tom Izzo, Kevin Willard. Kevin Willard, baby. <laughs> Boom. Courtesy Anthony Romano hit us with that uh, with that great... Adam with that Adam Print box score warrior uh, trivia question right there. That's so. fantastic. That, that's a great trivia question. Just, just in right case there. anybody wanted to know. Hey, Willard, man, the guy's reloading the program. <laughs> yeah, to, look uh, out, look out for Seton Hall. Oh yeah. <laughs> hey, Drew, just just to close this out, um, what were your feelings on this year's one shining moment? Um, it was okay. Yeah, I was fine with it. I thought I thought it was uh, it, it was not one of not a. Top you know what it was? I was, I was I was I was just so so pissed Gonzaga lost that. <laughs> it, that's really what it was. That I just kind of it lost something for me. I do hate that they. They wait until the last like six seconds for the national championship championship game, which again, obviously this year, you know, you didn't really have yeah. any highlights to show. But the last like ten years, they've kind of like transitioned to like the the championship game not getting as much. Like when they go into that one shot, like I want that to be the national championship, not like them like the four teams getting into the final four. I feel like they they need to switch that back up to get more more focus on the final four and the actual championship game. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. I totally agree with that. Yeah, because... it's, it's like I don't, I don't, I don't. At the at the crescendo of friggin', uh, you know, Luther Vandross's pipes. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to be looking at the the Elite Eight game. So. Yeah, no, or, that's or true. The, the mascot for Holy Cross. Or yeah, exactly. Like yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Here, well, I mean, you see it with college football. You know, their their focus is on the four uh, teams that make the playoff, but for different reasons because you know the committee always gets it wrong. Yeah. Um, 
But Baylor, just a shout out to them. I mean, they played a heck of a tournament, like you guys said, second best team in the country the whole year. Maybe if they didn't have their COVID thing, they could have gone undefeated this season too. Because you know, yeah, I did. I did think it was a little stupid when they kept showing that the uh, interview from Drew about uh, like his introductory press conference about winning a national title. Like yeah. it was eighteen years ago. <laughs> Yeah. Like I was he like, made okay. good on that. He, man. he got around to it. But it was he got around, yeah, around that's what I'm saying. I, I'm pretty sure every coach's press conference probably has that same exact like line in it somewhere. And it's it was like amazing the, he got that much time to. to yeah, do that's that. well, that's just incredible that he yeah he's been there so long. That it's he was like those bushes. It's like those bushes in my backyard. I need to rip out. I'll, <laughs> I'll get around to it. All right. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah, well, yeah but that's that, the, uh, it's like that novel you've been working on for the last three years. Yeah. Yeah, but that's the difference in college sports, especially like a program like Baylor. They'll give them a chance, especially if they're doing good things every year. They'll extend them a little bit more. Unlike some of these power conference teams, you know, like Duke. Or, well, I mean, Krzyzewski's been there forever because he wins. Same with, like, Calipari and Patino, all those guys. Izzo and Michigan State. But you get a little bit more time in college. If this was the NBA, he wouldn't get that much time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so that's that was a uh, good, good uh, whip around there. And speaking of whip arounds, Jim. Yes. Let's, one on. Wait, I'm, I'm not missing anything, right? Let me look at the. Yeah, no. Dude, no, we, we are up to the. There's, there's no rules. The one on skates. The one so, on skates. Oh, I've yeah. been I've been pretty silent on the NHL, other than maybe a topic or two, just because Drew tends not to follow that. But now that I have another hockey even, guy, even here, less that apparently the Flyers suck. <laughs> yeah, but that's I don't know how that happened. New. The Flyers always suck. The they were they were the young guns. Everyone was well, that was the trendy pick going into the season, and now was, all, I, all I keep seeing on Philly it wasn't Twitter my trendy suck. pick going into the season. Yeah, uh, so so what I've it. asked what I've asked Jim here to do with me is is we're just going to go division by division and say um, basically what we what we expected coming into the year, how it's played out, and then we're going to do our final four picks here um, with we're. Oh, we're also going to talk about the trade deadline coming up. So I, I got some notes on that too. But um, first, let's do the whip around division by division. Let's start in the East. Um, right now, it's Islanders on top with uh, Capitals, Pittsburgh, and Boston. Uh, on the outside, looking in is is uh, Philly has forty two points. The Rangers have forty one, uh, and Boston is fourth with forty eight. Myself, um, I thought that Philly would be in and the Capitals would be out. I expected the Capitals to slow down this year just because they're kind of old and kind of kind of big and not necessarily fast. Um, so that that's the only surprise for me here. Uh, what what were your expectations, Jim, for this division coming in, and how how do you think it's played out? I mean, it's pretty much played out as I saw it playing out, minus maybe Boston because of their losses on defense. Uh, Tory Krug, Zdeno Chara leaving. Um, they really haven't been able to replace those two guys, especially on the back end. Again, their big issue is secondary scoring, and that's what they're going to be looking for come the trade deadline. Obviously, Kyle Palmieri they're not going to be getting because he went to the New York Islanders last night mm-hmm. along with Travis Ajak. But I thought the Islanders would definitely be up there at the top along with the Capitals and Pittsburgh. I'm, I'm Pittsburgh, I'm surprised. Since at the beginning of the year, they really struggled in goaltending, but they seem to have locked it down. But I'm not sold on them going deep in the playoffs just because of their history. Uh, the team the team that I have, that I had going in that I thought would challenge for the fourth spot, and I think they still can, is the New York Rangers. 
I, I really like what they're doing. Igor Shesterkin's getting healthier. Uh, Keith Kincaid's playing really well. They got Kratzoff in the lineup. Panarin's good. Zibinijad's healthy after his COVID uh, scare at the beginning of the year. He tested positive. He had some lingering effects. The Rangers' offense is starting to get going. I mean, obviously, they lost tonight. You're not going to win all the games. But I think they're going to leapfrog Philly and can challenge Boston for that final playoff spot in the East. Nice. Yeah, I um similar thoughts I had going in. I, I thought um, that Philly would be – I thought it would be like Islanders in that fourth spot with, with Philly um, – I'm sorry, with the Capitals and the Rangers nipping at the heels and – um yeah so i had that a little bit wrong but but overall it's kind of how it's played out um okay going to the central um we got carolina on top at the moment 57 points and tampa bay and florida 56 apiece nashville at 45 and then the blackhawks at 41 on the outside looking in myself this one was way off for me i did not i thought carolina might be sniffing the playoffs Florida was off my radar. I had Tampa Bay, Nashville, and then I was kind of thinking um, Columbus and Dallas with Chicago kind of nipping at the heels. So I, I've been way off here. And Dallas was in the, the cup last year. That's why I was like, ah, they'll probably contend, but not, you know, like make the playoffs, but not actually contend. But they're not even the playoffs at this point. Um, how, did, how did you view this coming in and how do you think it's played out? So I'm with you. I thought I I had Dallas making the playoffs for sure. Yeah, uh, this year just because they were in the Cup final, the division wasn't as bad as it could have been for them. You know, normally they're in with uh, Colorado, St. Louis, Minnesota, right. uh, all those teams. So you figure, all right, well Columbus is in there. Nashville's on the downswing. I think the thing that threw everybody off is the fact that Chicago just came out of the. The gate like gangbusters had yeah. this great start. They're they're finally coming back to earth a bit here, um, but with no Jonathan Tate, no Brent Seabrook, you thought okay, you know Chicago's gonna be at the bottom of the division. No, they've pretty much been in that fourth spot for the, most of the year. They've slid down a bit here. Nashville's finally That's getting a winning in there. streak. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, I had t- Tampa at the top. I had uh, Carolina second. Okay. I had Florida. Right there, because I liked what they had with Joe Quinville coming in. I liked their pieces. Good it was call now on Quinville. Never. I forgot about that coming into the year. Yeah, you know, good call. they have the pieces, and that team should be better than it is. And, yeah. you know, Drieger is pushing Bobrovsky now, and Bobrovsky's looking like the guy who was in Columbus. Though the guy, the team, I like I said, and then I had Dallas normally. There would have been my fourth spot, but I normally would have had, you know, a team like Columbus challenging right, for, yeah. for the spot. But they just haven't gotten together. Patrick Alani trade has not worked out for not, them. Not at all. No, yeah. not at all. Jack Roslevic, I don't know why the dude was a healthy scratch. The guy, all he does is play hard, and he fits that team so well. Um, John Tortorella feels like he's on the way out. Um, but if they can get their acts together, they can figure out a way. I don't. I think that fourth spot is wide open, to be honest. I don't know yeah. if Nashville holds on to it. I could see the three teams, Columbus, Chicago, or Nashville, getting that fourth spot. I think the top three teams are locked. Yep, yep, agreed there. And um, Columbus is minus 31 right now. Like, Yeah, you're not, you're not getting in the biz- playoffs with a goal differential like that. That's bizarre for a team that should be playing tough defense. That, anyway. Um, Goaltending. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, so – Moving out to the West, uh, Colorado is uh, 56 points, Vegas 52, 
Minnesota 50, and Arizona 43. Um, this is pretty much how I expected it to play out. Um, St. Louis is vying for that uh, fourth spot with 40 points. It's, it's pretty much actually almost exactly as I thought it would play out. Um, how about How about yourself? Yeah, I mean, pretty much the same thing. I thought the third team would have been uh, St. Louis, you know, Colorado, Vegas, St. Louis, and then pick Minnesota, Arizona, and then maybe like a team like L.A. because I liked their young prospects and I liked what they were doing there. But Minnesota is just, I think the fact that they're in the third spot, you know, they've been challenging for the division top, top of the division, that yeah. big win against Colorado. I think the, the addition of Kaprizov, or Kaprasov, or however you want to say his name, yeah. uh, he's going to win the Calder Trophy's Rookie of the Year. The, the fact yeah. that he's 23, coming in, played in Russia, it's a big difference. It's the best player yeah. since Gabrick. So that's they, they've really shaken up the Western division there. Um, but I've pretty much seen, this is pretty much the scene in my head from the beginning of the season, Vegas, Colorado, and then, you know, figure yeah. out the next two teams. Yeah, exactly. I thought I thought Ariz I thought Minnesota would be closer to Arizona and St. Louis, but they they've kind of got closer to Vegas and Colorado. But um, yeah, it's pretty much how, how you know, no surprises there per se. No. Nope. And then and then um the North, although all Canadian division, um, again pretty pretty much exactly how I thought it would play out. Toronto's up top of fifty seven points, Edmonton fifty two, Winnipeg fifty one, and Montreal forty three. Vancouver has n uh, nice prospects uh, coming. Calgary is kind of like one of those teams stuck in the middle of the train tracks. They don't know if they're if they're buying or selling. And then uh, Ottawa's just a mess. And so this is pretty much exactly how I, I thought it would play out. Um, yeah, no no yeah. real comments there into how the season has played out for them. Yeah, no, I mean, look, I, I, I had Calgary challenging for a playoff spot. I really liked their team. Uh, unfortunately, the things just came off the rails. They're just not getting it together. Yeah, I but mean, they're like they're like a team that challenges, but they really don't have enough depth. You no, know, like and, they, and, they 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 and, they have a culture, but they don't really have depth. But they don't have a direction either because they don't know what they're going to be physical or they, what kind of style yes, they're going to play. They don't have they're an identity. Fast. They, there's no identity to this team. And bringing Daryl Sutter in is you know great. Daryl Sutter's a great coach, but you can't coach like you did in 2014 because you don't have that type of team yeah and you just can't be scratching guys i think that team needs a major facelift this offseason they have yeah. to figure out what they need and the biggest problem with the flames was in the playoffs their top guys just never performed because they were too small and they always got beat up now as far as the rest of the division yeah i pretty much had toronto at the top montreal winnipeg edmonton figure out an order uh, yeah, exactly, of where you yeah. want to put these got these teams in there. Though a lot of people were not high on the Jets, I was because I you know everybody's like they were like oh their defense isn't good. I'm like yeah, but they have the Vezina Trophy goalie in yes, net, exactly. Connor Hellebeck. Yeah. He Hellebeck, can win Hellebeck you Hellebeck is awesome, and, and right. they're just so big and physical and fast. And and all their it's like the only team left with true power forwards. At like right, Blake like Wheeler, more than one. Kyle Connor. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and the addition of Pierre-Luc Dubois has really been good for them, and they had Stasny back. The big thing for me was, I was so surprised in that trade, to be honest, to, just to touch on it again, was the fact that they traded Line A, and they brought in Paul Stasny, and those two guys had great chemistry when, they, when Stasny was there in their run to the Western Conference Final, that they only gave it one game because Line A was hurt, and then they traded him. It's like they didn't yeah. give it enough time to see what would have happened. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I, I, I like your point there. Um, so, 
uh, you know, speaking of trades and, and everything else, let's 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 talk about the trade market before we give our final four. Um, yeah. So, you know what? I, let's start with Calgary since we just touched on them. Um, Johnny Goudreau, um, he's not a free agent next year. He's he signed for one more year for six point seven five million. Um, you you think they they're gonna sell him at the deadline? I don't think that's a deadline move, to be honest. I think that's more of a, a summer move. Yeah, an off-season summer move at the I draft. Agree. I think the guy that you need to pay attention to at the deadline is a guy like Sam Bennett. Uh, kid okay. Depth forward, uh, pretty physical. He can play that style that wins in the playoffs, similar to like uh, Blake Coleman. Uh, is he Barkley still good. fast? Is Sam Bennett still fast? I haven't had he's eyes on him He's still fast, but he's, but he's a good penalty killer, and he's a good face-off guy. So you can use him in a different role than I normally would. Okay, cool. Um, all right, now I'm going to jump around since we since we said Johnny Goudreau is going to wait to the offseason. Um, I think the number one uh, trade target, I would assume, right, would be Taylor Hall. Yes. Um, age 29, he's an unrestricted free agent. He has pedigree. You know, he, he won that, I don't know if you want to call it a fluke, but he won that one MVP with the, with the Devils <laughs> that one year. Um, yeah. so it's like, you know what he's, a, I don't, I don't like, he kind of needs to be top six, but like, if he goes to a good team, like you're just kind of adding more scoring, which might be the Penguins won a couple cups that way. I don't know. How do you see, how do you see him playing out and who do you, where do you think the best fits are and, and how, what do you think it'll take to get him? I mean, it depends. I mean, I know probably Buffalo is going to be looking for a, a first round pick for him if they can get it. Um, you know, if they wait till Monday, the price may come down on a guy like Hall. I mean, he's underperformed this year, but, you know, right? no yeah. one really does anything in Buffalo. I hate like, to say like it. Like 0.0 goals, which is un- uh, only a slight understatement for, for what he's actually right. producing. He, he, he had two goals this year. That's it. On a, on a bad Buffalo team. Look, it depends on what Taylor Hall shows up. If it's going to be the MVP guy, great. But these guys check his ego at the door. When you have yeah. a reputation of being not a good guy in the locker room, um, that some teams are not going to want to take you. And in the last two years, he he really hasn't you know shown to be that guy. I think a team like Boston would be a good fit for him. You know, him with Krejci would be good, and and that locker room could keep him in check. Um, I know Florida cl- cleared some cap space today, uh, so they might be trying to get him yeah. in for that for that run. I could see that. Um, you know, I don't think it's going to cost it, a first rounder though, just because he's like you said with like no goals this year. He's an unrestricted free agent. You know, he's. I, I don't think it'll take a first rounder. I think it'll just take the right team. Right, exactly the right team, the right offer, and the right fit. And you know, he's always been linked to Colorado, but Colorado really needs goaltending. So, but you, you know what? If he's added to that forward mix, hey, you know what? Good for them. Yeah, right. Just more, more, more firepower. Fire, yeah, yeah. Tor- what's it fire the torpedoes <laughs> yeah exactly um all right a couple other names on the block here um matthias ekholm for nashville 64d man um he still has one year left at 3.75 very negotiable contract um i with their run it's almost like they like he i think they kind of wanted to trade him but now with their run like probably not gonna trade i don't know what what do you think he, he probably stays pat right I mean, look, it's Nashville, so David Poyle's got to save his job somehow. I mean, look, I have friends there in Nashville, um, I a couple buddies that work for the team, but, you know, the thing is, is 
the asking price. Winnipeg inquired about him, and the asking price was a first-round pick, their top defensive prospect, Vili Hanola, and and another pro- and another piece. Wow. Way too much for Winnipeg to give up. Who could use a guy like that? But yeah. like we said, their de- depth at defense is being tested right now. Nathan Beaulieu's out. They got a couple injuries. So do they really want to give up a defensive prospect that can help them? Um, if the right team comes calling with the right offer, I could see Ekholm moving. But like you said, are they buyers now since they went on that run and are in the in a prime spot to make the playoffs? I think this if he does move, it's going to be Monday. I don't think it's going to be before Monday. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, you almost wonder if, if one of those Canadian teams, and by Canadian teams, I specifically mean Edmonton or Toronto, just because they they might be thinking to themselves, like, now's our time. You know what I mean? Like, push the chips. Like, this is the best chance we've had in, in, in how many years. Both of those teams got to be thinking that. So they, they may, I wonder if they overpay for something like that. Um, but yeah, that's that's probably a, a tough tough deal to be made. Um, and then a couple other teams here. Um, moving down to Columbus again, a team that just has way too much talent to be just squandering like this, and that's that's on Tortorella. But um, their captain Nick Foligno uh, is he he had a private meeting with the GM, and he just kind of like didn't want to talk about it. He said, you know, whatever happens, happens. I can't control it. He, he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Um, I could see him going, like you said, Boston, Pittsburgh. I could see him going to a bunch of different teams. I, I think he'll fit in as just like a veteran presence on anybody's. I don't know if he slots right into the first line, second or third line, uh, you know, for a cup contender. Like like you said, Colorado. Like, boy, wouldn't that wouldn't he fit right in there? But um uh, uh, and it's also on Columbus, uh, D-man, um, David Savard, they actually sat him that I healthy scratch because they pretty precautionary much are... precautionary reasons for Savard tonight. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's an unrestricted free agent, age 30. Um, Del Zotto's unrestricted free agent. Um, and I just want to point out that line A is a restricted free agent and they're trying to sign him. But he has like 0.0 goals. He ain't staying in Columbus. He ain't staying in Columbus. He's going to be moved, not at the the deadline, but he'll be moved in the the offseason. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I would, I would, that wouldn't surprise me if they just do a total rebuild. But anyway, so those. But Savard Savard and Felino, two guys, definitely Savard is definitely going to get moved. I've been uh told he's definitely on the move. Uh, Look for a team, a contending team. Maybe one of them Canadian teams. Maybe somebody else that's looking to add a depth defenseman just to make a run uh, somewhere that can help him. I mean, look. Hello, Pittsburgh. Le- yeah, Pittsburgh could help him out there. Definitely. I want to pass, put it past um, Hextall. Hextall and Brian Burke to go after a guy like that. Maybe the Leafs go after a guy like that, considering yep. they had to go up against him last year mm-hmm. and maybe add some def- uh, defensive depth there. Uh that would be a good spot. Felino's an interesting case because the, the, he is the captain and he really likes it in Columbus. And he's one of those guys in Columbus that you win with. Um, I mean, if they do trade him, they always could circle back to try to get him back in right. free agency. Mm-hmm. I could see that working out somewhere. Uh, but I, I, my money's on Savard moving. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then, what do you, do you think Del Zotto does anything for anybody? I mean, look, he, he helped out St. Louis in their run to the Stanley Cup. He played in a couple games, so 
I mean, it's a, if if they do move him, it's a depth move, really. Yeah. Uh, and, and just to add somebody's just to add depth somewhere, just to give, maybe give like a top pairing. Like, look what happened in um, t- uh, Tampa Bay last year with like Colburn and those guys. Mm-hmm. They just ate what eight minutes a night. Just played eight ten minutes a night. So Hedman and, and um, Sergachev could get their time, just a quick yeah. rest, and then back out there. So if you're gonna add a guy like Delzato, put him out thirty seconds, and then. You know, put your yeah. top guys back on. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think he, he, I think he could fill that role. Um, and then the only other notes I had was a handful of guys from the Blues that are all um, unrestricted. Um, Mike Hoffman, who I don't know why, but I've always had a soft spot for. Um, and then Bozak and Jaden Schwartz. These are guys that kind of like were names once upon a time, and, and kind of like I think some of these guys were healthy scratches actually now. But I, I think Hoffman was, but. Yeah, Hoffman um, definitely was. Hoffman I mean, has been these are guys stress. that if if you're if you're a contender and you really don't want to give much up, you know, you kind of just like buy the lottery ticket. But they're probably going to get moved to. I, I and again, as a Pittsburgh fan, I wouldn't even mind them going to one of those teams. But honestly, capital pick a team that that doesn't have you know hardly any cap room or hardly any resources. You could maybe pick one of these guys off the scrap heap and uh, kind of see see what what you get there. But I, I, two things real quick before before we get to the final four on this. Um, I would say that Hoffman most likely is going to get moved because of just because he's an unrestricted free agent and he's been sat the last two games healthy scratch by the coach. Yep. And Sammy Blaze come in and, and done a, a phenomenal job. I think Jaden Schwartz, I think they're going to get a contract extension done in St. Okay. Louis. I, I, I don't really think they're going to move him. I think more likely they're going to get an extension done with him. And then Tyler Bozak, again, he's a depth forward. He can win faceoffs. Look what the Penguins did during their back-to-back cup runs. A guy like Matt Cullen, all he did was go out there, win a faceoff, and get off. Um, so if you can add a guy like that. I like Hoffman to the Penguins, to be honest, if they can trade for him because he's a goal scorer. They need to replace some of that goal scoring. Malkin not in the lineup right now. But, again, he's a goal scorer. He's streaky. So if he doesn't score goals, there's an issue. Yep, yep. Exactly. So, um, am I missing anybody? That was all my notes. Um, I mean, those are pretty much the big guys right now. I mean, there's so many depth forwards that could get moved. So many RFAs, a couple guys could get moved here and there. The Devils have a bunch of free agents that could get moved. Defensemen, if you're looking for defensive depth, Kulikov, Ryan Murray, uh, Sammy Vontanen, guys like that. I mean, you know, there's so many guys out there. There's really not enough time to go over everybody. The trade bait boards are out there, so take a look. I mean, the big fish, Kyle Palmieri's off the board. The next guy to fall is Taylor Hall. At home, we hit the big names, so yeah. we're good there. Yeah, I uh, and I'll say that um, I, I really don't expect um, a trade target to be acquired and to actually move the needle in a significant way. Like, uh, like I don't think there's a guy out there like – you know, Marion, like guys have been moved before. Like, uh, like how about when the Penguins got Hosa? You know, the guys like that who were just like, holy shit, now they're actually like cup contenders. Like, I don't think anything like that's out there. So it's, I, I think you're right. I think it's all like depth moves and, and just kind of like, you know, shoring up the blue line and things like that. Like you said, I know Colorado kind of wants like a 1B or maybe like a, like a yeah, two they, goaltender. They, they, and they need just... somebody for, for one group hour because I, I'm not sold on uh, Freddie Franchos. Or as the guys like on Overdrive like to call him Freddie Frances because yeah. you know look they had to go to Hutchinson last year, 
and yeah, that didn't work but, out. But what goalies well are even available? You know what I mean? Like, but they, I mean, the Devils. I mean, you could get a guy like Aaron Dell maybe to back up. I mean, maybe yeah, if the exactly. other Kings like, want to trade quick out of, the, out of there. The, you yeah, know, you, that would be intriguing. Yeah, but again, there's not a lot of guys out there. But if the right move is there, they're gonna get it. So yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, n- that being said, let's um, let's let's wrap this up by picking our final four out of each division. Um, let's start in the East, and I'll, I'll let you go first. All right. So one of the teams I like coming out of the East would be I like. What they did yesterday, the t- trade deadline, until somebody proves me wrong, they're built to win in the playoffs. I got the New York Islanders to go to the uh, the conference semifinal, conference final, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, the semis, yeah. yeah. Um, you know what? I, I, I'm just, despite that Caps, uh, Caps uh, Stanley Cup, I'm just, I'm never a Trots playoff guy. And plus, the, every Islanders fan is also a Mets fan and Jets fan. And so that, that fan base is cursed. So um, I, my gut says Pittsburgh, but my brain says Boston because I, I, I think that I think Pittsburgh has way more depth than people give them credit for. And I think they play tough. And I, I, if if the goalies can gel, which it appears they have, but realistically, Boston was kind of in a sweet spot last year, and then and then Tuka Rask decided, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit out of COVID, and so um, now Tuka Rask is I mean he's injured right now, but you know if Tuka Rask is back and he's in a groove, that might be the team that kind of comes out of the East. So uh, I, I'm, I'm gonna go with my brain and say say Boston. I wouldn't disagree with that to be honest. If Rask gets on a roll and they could get a, some secondary scoring. They could definitely go on a deep run, but yeah, they're going to have to get defensive help. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Central division. Um, Tampa Bay for me. I, I don't see. I, I just, until you beat the champs, uh, I, they're the champs for a reason. I mean, Florida hasn't proven it's been in the playoffs yet. They haven't won a playoff series since 1996. Uh, Carolina can show me they can go deep. That's fine. But you got to beat Tampa Bay when it matters, and when they're getting Nikita Kucherov back for the playoffs, uh, that team's only going to get better. Yeah, exactly. the 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 top end talent in Tampa is incredible. The blue line talent is incredible, and oh by the way, Vasilevsky is in his prime. So, I I don't like picking teams back to back because that just so rarely happens. But I look. Carolina, Peter Mrazek, I'm sorry. Like I, no. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Tampa Bay. Yeah, me too. Um, okay, out in the West, the fun division. Uh, Colorado. I had them as my preseason Stanley Cup pick. I'm going to stick with Colorado. Yeah, and uh, like my heart really, really wants to be with you. And, yeah. and, and like it's like I, I almost don't even want to say what I'm going to say next, but like. Vegas has just how many years in a row is Vegas just going to be good in the playoffs? And like, and this year is either the year that they push to that next level, or they just stop. And like, they just like it's the end of their run. And they got the one A one B goaltenders. They're deep. They're big. They're man. They just they're just awesome in the playoffs. Ah, my head is saying Vegas, but my heart is saying Colorado. So let's just go with my heart. Because I'm a lover, not a fighter, and I'm gonna go with you and say Colorado. All right. And then up north, which might be the most intriguing 
uh, of the divisions. Um, what do you think up there? I mean, it's easy to say Toronto and Montreal. It really is. Um, I mean, I want to say Toronto. It could be Toronto. any of these four teams, quite it honestly. It really could be. I mean, I'm not sold on Edmonton getting into playoffs yet because if you st- stop McDavid and Dreisaitl, you have a chance to win. Right. Winnipeg, I mean, if they can get on a run, man, that team is good. But Blake Wheeler's out right now. Um, I'm going to say Toronto gets to the conference semifinal, but I don't see them getting past that point. Uh, they'll get there, but they ain't going to win. They'll still be droughtless since 67. Yeah, I like I like that pick a lot, actually. Uh, um Boy, you know, and here's why I don't even know who to pick in this division. Toronto, the best, deepest team in the division, but they just always suck in the playoffs. And, like, they're relying on Frederick Anderson and uh, who's the, Jack Campbell? Jack is that the Campbell, guy? yeah, he's 10-0 and 0 now, though. Yeah, 10-0. and 0. So, I mean, um, you know, who knows what's going to happen there. Edmonton, the best player in the game. Probably the two best players in the game. But after yeah. that, after that, it's a whole lot of, it's a whole lot of meh. Winnipeg, deep, fast, physical, heavy, great goaltenders. They could easily take this division in the playoffs. Montreal always seems to just show up in the playoffs. Carey Price seems to have that next gear. I I have no freaking clue. So you could just put put me down for the L. I have no prediction. I don't know. Put me down for the L in that division. All right, we'll put you down for the L in that division. <laughs> I don't know, man. Who knows? But I mean, uh, look, Montreal I, I, I barely no got... Other- yeah, and then they beat the Penguins. I know. Right. So Montreal barely got in because they had to expand to 24 teams. They weren't a playoff team last year. They won the offseason. They made a couple good moves, signings. If Price is healthy and the Price is right in Montreal, they can go deep. Right. Yeah. However, Toronto is the best team in that division right now. Yeah. And, yeah. and I could see them making a run too. Like yeah. you said, wide open. I'm going to stick with Toronto on this one. But... Yeah, like you said, anybody, anybody. Yeah, and then from there, I'm not even gonna t- take a take a finals and a. Yeah, no, right now, it's, I mean. It, yeah, it, I agree. Let's. I don't, yeah, I don't even. Yeah. Because it's not worth the paper it's written on. So. No, exactly. All right, good stuff, Jim. I, that that was that was a nice whip around there. Um, I got nothing else on hockey. Um, no, I'm good. All right. Drew, are we gonna? Is that gonna? Is that gonna be the name of our hockey segments now? The whip around. I don't know. I think, we just did. I think we just came up with something. Um, all, all of our two hockey segments. Um, all right. Speaking of segments, pit not stop. that not that anybody asked, but my picks: uh, Sidney Crosby and the Penguins. Uh, go Rangers! Go Rangers! There you go. Okay, wait, wait. Let me let me get let me get prepped here for um for the, the one stop. minute pit stop is back. Back. The one-minute pit stop. Hold oh, on. Yeah. Look, let me get my notes. Let me get my notes. Come on now. Come on. Okay. <sighs> let me know. In three, two, one, go. Okay. NASCAR is back. We are in Martinsville, Virginia. Martinsville Speedway. NASCAR purists absolutely love this track. It is the shape of a paperclip. It is a half mile. It is only 17 degrees banking. It is rubbing. It is bumping. Rubbing equals racing. Um... So last year, there's always two races here. Martin Truex Jr. won in the spring. Chase Elliott won his first of back-to-back to close out the season and win the championship. So 
our picks here this week are going to be the favorites. Martin Truex Jr., 5-1. to one. Chase Elliott, 6-1. to one. Logano at 7-1, to one, who's always done well at this track. And the long shot, Kyle Larson at 12-1. to one. So one unit on Martin, uh, sorry, Truex, Elliott, and Logano, and a half unit on Larson. Done. Wow, 47 and a half seconds. Woo! That was impressive. Very good. A brand new record. Yes. Whew. All right. Now, before we get to beer number two. That was like ra- Gove senior prom. Yeah, that was that was Gove's successful prom, 47 seconds. <laughs> um, okay, picks here for the parlay before we get to beer two. Uh, mine real quick. We touched on the hockey earlier. Saturday at oh, 8 o'clock, I believe. 8 o'clock. I'm actually... I know I just feel like I'm gonna regret this, but these these teams are these goalies are on a roll. Eight o'clock, Tampa Bay Lightning versus Nash, Nashville Predators. Don't have a line yet. I'm taking the under, whatever the under is in that hockey game. Drew, what you got? Uh, I'm gonna be boring since the game I wanted to pick doesn't have a line yet. I'm gonna take uh, we're gonna take Joe Smith Jr. by stoppage. Stoppage minus one ten. I like it. Okay. Yeah. Um, Jim and Teddy, you guys gonna contribute on the on the parlay? Or are you gonna bow out? I got, yeah, I got one for you. Yes. I got All one right. for you. All I right, got, Jimmy. I'm gonna, we just touched on it. North Division, Toronto Maple Leafs, Saturday night against the Ottawa Senators. I'm going to take the under in that game because the Senators always play the Maple Leafs close. And just to add a bit to it, even though Toronto's playing really well, they're coming off an emotional game against Montreal. I'm gonna take the Senators to win that game. Wow. Okay. Um, and, so we'll take we'll take the under there. Um, I yeah. like it. Teddy. And for, and for me, I just yes, I just wanted to make this pick to annoy Drew. Give me the Atlanta Braves money line, whatever it is. Uh, I don't know what night you said it was, Friday or Saturday. Friday. They or play Saturday. tomorrow. They play tomorrow. All right. Give me tomorrow night's game. The Atlanta Braves gonna get a little revenge on Philly. You're gonna you're gonna feel like an asshole when you blow the parlay, Teddy. It's it's, <laughs> yeah, it's okay char- for tomorrow. Tomorrow is Charlie Morton versus Zach Wheeler. So give it to me. All right, sweet. And so lock lock it in. We got a four teamer this week. Oh, we hit the parlay last week. For we if anybody was was counting or paying attention, so this is gonna be like a thirteen dollar four teamer. <coughs> Let's this go. Is a good one right here. This Let's is the one go, to make baby. money right here. This is the money maker Let's right keep here. Keep rolling it. I love it. All right, now everyone. For beer number two, let's assume positions on the two, two brew salute number dose. Three, two, one. All right. There we go. Now, I will say, since we are going to be discussing wrestling here on the back half, I switched up my beer. Oh. I have New Trail Brewing out of Williamsport, Pennsylvania, SOB Hill. Because Stone Cold says so. Yeah, There we go. 6.2% on this point. I was trying to figure out how you were going to tie wrestling into that. I thought you were going to say you randomly found a uh, a randomly. I saw this SOB Hill, and I was like, yeah, son of a bitch, Stone Cold. Let me see if it's any good. This this is an IPA, right? Yeah. You got to let us know how that is. And, hey, that's a 6.2. I mean, Stone Cold's Broken Skull IPA. I'm going with... uh, the same beer for beer number two, yeah. six, six point seven on this one. Uh, dude, okay. these, I'm telling you, these these things sneak on you, man. Hey, they, they, they really smooth. do. Oh, dude, isn't he coming out with a new beer? 
He is a logger. A logger. He Ooh. he April fools to everybody that he was coming out with a friggin' uh, seltzer, spike seltzer. A I banana so seltzer. Mad. A <laughs> nice I, was so mad. I was like, man, Stone Cold's really sold out that he's doing seltzer. You, I think you had said that it was gonna be. It was you or Lacey, Teddy that said, oh, it's got to be an April Fool's joke. It's got. I, I mean, like, I I said it from the get go. I'm like, this this can't be real. There's no way Stone Cold Steve Austin is putting out a banana heart seltzer. Come on. Uh, yeah, that was, that was totally a joke. Uh, yeah, all right. That was great, though. I marked I marked out, so shame on me. That's right. Nice. All right. Well, um, all right. So I'm going to play host here and just kind of let you guys get into it. But right, we, 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 have, we have several topics that, that Drew laid out. And these are... I booked in it honor, perfectly. In honor of WrestleMania is, <laughs> is kind of what we're getting into. But um, they're not necessarily all WrestleMania-centric. So No, they're not. That being said, off and away, uh, what event took professional wrestling to another level and let's start with jim wrestlemania 3 for me uh took it to another level i think that's the obvious answer yeah i mean you could go down a list of names you could go to screw job you can go to this speech that speech this event but to me wrestlemania 3 pontiac silvernome 93,000 people the place doesn't even exist anymore uh, but that whole card was awesome. Took the WWF at the time to the next level. I mean, you could say the first WrestleMania changed the landscape, but to me, WrestleMania three just took it to that next level. Teddy. Okay. Well, my answer is it's very similar. You just mentioned the first WrestleMania. I'm not going to say that, but I'm just going to say the kickstarting of Hulkamania in 1984, the whole rock and wrestling connection, that was right before the first WrestleMania started. Uh, when MTV was popular, Cindy Lauper was a part of it. They kind of had uh, Hogan, Mr. T. Everybody was going on MTV. They were all over the place. That kind of kick-started everything, the rise of Hulkamania, and that's what, you know, you could say WrestleMania 3 is probably the apex of that in 1987, but for me, it has to be, 1984, Hulk Hogan defeats the Iron Sheik, wins the title, Hulkamania starts, and we're on a roll right after that. True. Man, I thought I was going to be cool going back to WrestleMania 3. I thought you guys were going to be like, I thought somebody was going to throw the NWO well, out there. Well, I, I had a list here of a couple of I mean, I had but... a ton of stuff on there. I had yeah, NWO, I, uh... I had Flair and Harley Race. Yeah, I, I... You could have gone back NWA days. Yeah. You could have just done all this stuff. But it's so hard to pinpoint one thing. But to me, like, in that error, like Teddy said, that Apex is like Hulkamania is running wild. Yeah. And WrestleMania 3 versus Andre was just. Yeah, I mean, that's what I had. It was, And it was really the passing of the torch, right? Because Andre, he never lost. He was still kind of, he was kind of the business, even though Hulkamania was exploding. Um, you know, they fit 93,000 people in the Pontiac Silverdome in 19, what was it, 1987? Seven. 1987. Not the Superdome, brother, the Silverdome. The Silverdome, sorry, my bad. Um, and only one, I think only one WrestleMania since has, has been more fans than that. I think it was WrestleMania 32. Um, yes, that's insane. Dallas. Yeah, in 87, they filled 93,000. Uh, to see those guys fight. Well, um, there there is some a legend with that that supposedly that number is a little inflated. They it gave be, tickets away or whatever. It might be closer to seventy k, but the fact that it was yeah, a football suck it, stadium. Suck it, Dave it, Meltzer. Yeah, I know. But you know, <laughs> hey, hey, listen, we we all picked that because listen, that is really where wrestling went to another level. Yeah. If you want to say, you know, after that lull in the mid nineties, 
obviously the Attitude Era, going to the Edge Era content, Stone Cold Steve Austin, the rise of the Attitude Era. That's obviously took it to another level as well. But Hulkamania, WrestleMania, you know, the first five at least WrestleManias with Hogan headlining those had a six. Big, you know, six of them had all to do with pro wrestling going to another level, becoming more mainstream. Yep. All right. That's good stuff. Um, I, I had WrestleMania three as well. I there we go. Obvious answer. There you go. Um, so, there you go. But I did want to note. I, I think the first time I saw it on Sports Center was nineteen ninety three. The Stars and Stripes Challenge <laughs> when Lex Lex Luger was the first person body to body slam Yokozuna <laughs> aboard the USS Intrepid in New York City outside, and it, they covered it on Sports Center, and I was like, oh shit! I was like, what the hell is this going on? And I had been aware of wrestling before that, but that's what pulled me in as a eight-year-old when, whenever that happened. For you. Yo, hey, that, that's track. a good point. That's a good point because, you know what, before then, I mean, Sports Center never really – wrestling was never really covered as a, you know, no. as a real sport on ESPN. You know, NBC had the Saturday night's main event every now and then. But as a kid, you know, you're tuning into Sports Center and you see that, you're like, well, what's going on here? Like, is this a real well, thing? And then you could say, like, you could say Tyson at WrestleMania 14 in the Attitude yeah. Era, you yeah. know, with the collision with Austin at that Raw, that just garnered mainstream publicity. I love publicity. that, Jordan. That's a good one, man. The, the, that's the a body great. Slam that's a great. Yeah, the Body had Slam I, Challenge. Had I, had I known, I would have bought. Yeah. I would have bought him that God awful Hamid shirt they made of that. Uh, of that. Oh, of the, you of that, that exact event. Had I known. Oh, I man. think you got to order him one now. I don't, they, def, they definitely eBay, didn't. Baby. They definitely didn't make or sell more than twelve of those. So I doubt <laughs> I can find it again. But yeah, look. especially in my size. Oh, Best storyline of all time. Um, let's go with Drew to start this one. Ooh. Best storyline of all time. This one was probably the only one I didn't really have to think about. Uh, I think it's got to be Sting in the NWO. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, the storyline starts in September of 1996. Where you have the, you know, they they set up the fake Sting turning on WCW. The real Sting comes out at War Games, showing that he didn't turn. The next night he comes out. You know, he is WCW the icon. He tells he tells everybody to stick it. Uh, this thing goes on for 15 months, where he's just randomly in the rafters. Uh, you don't know which side he's on, and then it finally culminates in December December of 1997 uh, with Hogan Sting at Starcade. I mean, dude, every week you're tuning into Nitro just to see if Sting is sitting in the rafters. Uh, it's insane. Like, he never got in the ring. Uh, obviously, we know he lost his tan, which is why they changed the finish um, at Starcade. But to me, that's that's the best storyline that, that I've at least seen and that I, you know, during the time that I was a big wrestling guy because they just they didn't they didn't they didn't cheat they didn't they were, they didn't get lazy and say let's like let's just you know get the main event now and cash in they played that thing out for 15 months which is just you know incredible gotcha. to think about now all right uh teddy yeah before i get to mine i want to say the the only one thing that i hated about that which which is that that's a great one i have a list of so many good storylines Th- that is a really good storyline the, the, obviously the way it ended the hulk finish, hogan yeah. you know yep. it doesn't work for me brother you got the fast <laughs> count on sting with bret hart yeah. as the referee and all that it was not a good way to end it but the storyline itself was amazing yeah. with the build-up to the match to be the man you must be tanned exactly quote quote <laughs> eric bischoff there uh for me like i said i have a whole list here of of numerous storylines lines over the years but for me it's got to be i'm gonna say since you went sting in nwo i'm gonna take the stone cold austin and mcmahon rivalry that lasted okay 
probably you want to say from late 97 when Stone Cold first stunned Vince McMahon at the Garden, September of 97. Yeah. And that thing lasted all the way to 2001 when Stone Cold made uh, an ill-timed heel turn and joined Vince McMahon. Uh, so that was about three and a half years. Uh, the entire roster was involved with this. You know, pretty much three years of McMahon trying to screw Stone Cold out of winning the world championship. Stone Cold overcoming. You know, you had the beer truck. You had the higher power angle. There's so many things that you could throw in there that between Vince and Austin, you had the Rumble 1999 where Vince McMahon wins it. Uh, the Rock yeah. was involved. So yep. the entire company was involved in that storyline. And every week you were tuning in. I know on one channel you had the NWO. But in the other channel, you couldn't wait to see what Stone Cold and Vince McMahon were going to do. So yep. to me, that was probably one of the best storylines of all time. That's nice. Cool. All right, Jimmy V, what you got? Man, that's a great storyline, man, because I, I had that up there as one of my top storylines uh, of all time for sure. I mean, Attitude Era alone was really good. But I'm going to throw it back uh, to um, down in uh, Mid-South, Mid-Atlantic Wrestling. Ooh, old school here. Wow. Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair okay. yeah, man. going Let's... back old school to me with the horsemen beating up Dusty Rhodes, taking him out, cutting all these promos, leads to the war games, leads to Dusty winning the title, the hard, the hard times promo, one of the best promos ever done. Definitely. To this day, th that rivalry between those two guys was really good. Um, just everything about it with the world championship involved so many months just to build up and it continued after the fact between the horsemen and Dusty's guys. It was just so good and I, I loved it on the old network. You watch that kind of stuff. You right. put hard times on, on Dusty Rose, Nature Ball, Ric Flair. Hard times. <laughs> oh, one of the best promos ever. Um, yeah, one I, of the best promos ever. Teddy, I had uh, Austin McMahon as well. And nice choice. J just, just noting the whole, you know, hitting him with the bedpan, and yes. also, did he throw him off a bridge at one point? Like he threw the belt off the bridge. Yeah, he, he threw the, the belt off the bridge. Off the bridge yeah. yeah. Now the rock, the rock, the rock yeah. threw the Austin off a bridge. If that's what, okay. maybe what you're thinking of, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe I'm yeah. conflating the two. Anyway, all right. Um, honorable, I, hold on. Honorable mention for that is the yeah. mega pla mega powers explode. But I didn't yeah. obviously, well, I didn't see that live, so I didn't. Well, yeah. Yeah, before so, you move on, I mean, I, I wrote a whole bunch of them, but you're right. Uh, Mega Powers Explode. I got Goldberg Streak. I got The Undertaker's yeah. WrestleMania Streak. Undertaker's uh, WrestleMania Streak, yeah. CM Punk in the later years, the whole CM Punk leaving uh, the company. That was really was good. good. And the Hart Foundation. Wait, wait. I got one. NXT storyline. Gargano and Champa. That's also great as well. Absolutely. I got to throw that in there. I'm like, yeah. wait a minute. This is such a great feud. Those That's two a guys good honorable mention. All right, um, I'm I'm uh I'm gonna start to 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 push you guys a little bit more rapid fire on these. You guys okay. ready? Sure. Yeah. All right. This one this one shouldn't be too 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 hard. Um, best year in pro wrestling, Drew. Uh, 1997. Teddy. I'm going 97 as well. Uh, you could go honestly. There was a span of years there in the late 90s. You could say it was a just all together were great years, but 1997 for me, and 1998 probably. Right there, 1A and 1B. Jim. Uh, 96, 97 for sure. Okay, I'm just saying 94 just as a joke because <laughs> that's, that's where all my memories are apparently. 1994, right. baby. Okay, favorite era of all time. Drew. Oh, man. Uh, I went attitude error, but I do think the new generation is highly underrated and it sets up the ability to do the attitude error because – 
you get at you you show that you can survive and has have a sustainable product that isn't the Hulk Hogan monster versus monster uh, type of matches. Nice world title. Yep, Teddy. Uh, I got to agree with Drew there. That's a great point he just made with the with the new generation. You you went with Brett and Sean pretty much carrying the company. Now you want to talk about hard times. WWF was in some hard times between '93 and '95, but it did lead to you know the rise of Stone Cold DX and all those other guys. Uh, so for me, the Attitude Era because I think it was just the perfect time. We were just getting into you know late high school years. For, you know you're a 14, 15 year old kid. You want to tune in. You want to watch. Stone Cold beat up some people and watch Sable every week, you know? Yeah. Oh, roll Tide. <laughs> Absolutely, baby. You want to watch Sonny? You want to watch Sonny? Sonny as Absolutely. well. I love her. Sonny, yeah. No, um, for me, I got to say Attitude Era, but as Drew mentions with New Generation, definitely underrated. I'm going to say Ruthless Aggression underrated as well because definitely. you had that OVW class coming up. Batista, Cena, Randy Lesnar. Orton, all those guys coming in there. Um, you had Lesnar. You had the uh, the first ever Elimination Chamber at that Survivor Series, Eric Bischoff. But Attitude Era, I mean, just everything just was perfect. You had Nitro. You had Raw. It was just everything was going on. It was perfect. Yeah. I know what Dr- Jordan's pick is. New Generation. Um, no, you know what? I straddled New Gen and, and uh, Attitude. Attitude Era. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... So that I, I, w- I would agree with, with all three of you. My only other note is that, and, it, and to Drew's point, it kind of birthed the Attitude Era, but the first time I heard a wrestler actually cuss, and I can't remember if it was a Saturday morning or just a regular Monday Night Raw, but Brett, Brett Hart said, I don't give a damn, and I was just like, oh shit, like, is my parents going to make me Oh, that was in 97. That yep. was when he got screwed in the cage after he shoved down Vince McMahon. This is bullshit. We'll oh. hit on that later. I got I got a little note of that one. And right I was here. just like, I was like, am my yeah. parents gonna make me turn this off? I'm like, turn, turn the volume down, you know, like yeah. sitting in my room. Uh, no, so, you're yeah. right. Because up until that point, uh, up until that point, there was uh, no cussing and stuff. It was like all that PG. There. Yeah, there was no yeah. there was no cursing and wrestling. Yeah. So it it was a shock when we heard that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good, just good, another I'm example. Gl- of, I'm glad uh, you guys remember that stuff. Just good, another good. example of Bret Hart innovating the wrestling business. Yeah, exactly, baby. Bret Hart. Get enough credit. All right, uh, favorite match ever. Uh, we'll start with Jimmy on this one. Oh, <laughs> like dude, I wrote down a huge ton of matches for this. Oh, give us, man. give us two. Give us two. All right. Obviously, Brett Owen WrestleMania 10 opener. I was there for it. I mean, that was you were actually great. at WrestleMania 10. I was at WrestleMania That's 10. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Great match. Uh, great opener. Yeah, I'm a Bret Hart mark. So what? So sue me. Yes. Um, yes. And the second match, I mean, I have so many good matches on here, but the second match for me has got to be Okada and Omega at Wrestle Kingdom. All right, oh, so wow, that's a nice Japan. one you threw in there. New Japan, okay. New wow. Japan Pro what, Wrestling. What I mean, year was that? Well, I want to stay with that. 2016 or 2015? I think it was like 2016, 2015, that's one of those years. Wow. Wow. It was like a 60-minute draw. Like, yeah, these wow. guys put out a wrestling That was like a Rick Flair steamboat match in the uh, late yeah, 80s. Yeah, those guys had a trilogy of matches. If you're ever bored and uh, want to see mm-hmm. some good New Japan wrestling, look them up. Yeah, okay. I, I, I mean, like I said, I have a bunch of matches on here. Yeah. Steamboat Savage, like, just so many good yeah. matches. But what, what do you got, Teddo? Okay, uh, well, l- listen, uh, also a Bret Hart mark, but I'm going to go, uh, you know, I'm going to be partial to matches that I've, you know, live events that I have attended. WrestleMania 25. Uh, overall, was not a great WrestleMania, but 
what's regarded probably as maybe the best WrestleMania match and maybe one of the best matches ever of all time, The Undertaker against Shawn Michaels, uh, the first match that they wrestled of their two matches and back-to-back. That match, uh, let me tell you, that the entire football stadium, that was in Houston at Reliance Stadium, the entire stadium was on their feet for that whole match, pretty much the whole match. False, false finishes, uh, that kind of started the false finish trends where, you know, you have guys hitting finishers like crazy now and everybody's kicking out. That was one of the first matches that ever did that. And, you know, I really thought the streak was going to end uh, at that match, you know, because the way that was going. But great finish. So I got to give that as one, probably one of my favorite matches ever. And my number two, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Bret Hart, WrestleMania 13. That's probably – we all have that in our top list. Yeah, you know, I know absolutely. I know Drew's got that. I still, I think, I still think the Survivor Series one I know was better. Drew enjoys the Survivor I, I Series like the, I like the Survivor Series match too. Yeah. But for me, yeah, for me, it's got to yeah. be that because as a kid, Bret Hart was, was my guy. Stone Cold, I really didn't like him initially. But that match – Got me to full, you know, I bought the double turn. I still like Bret Hart even as a heel, but I bought the double turn. I became a Stone Cold fan that day because he passed out in the sharpshooter. And I became a fan of both guys going forward from then on. And that match was the reason why. All right. Uh, I went back to 1992 SummerSlam. Nice. Bret Hart, British Bulldog. Great match. Dude, I I randomly just watched this match. It's for the Intercontinental title. I... The story and the psychology is amazing. I love that it's in Wembley Stadium, which is so cool, and we're going to be going there in the summer for Fury Joshua. Um, Let's go. Fun, Lennox fun Lewis. Fact, fun Lennox, fact about that match, Bret Hart actually kicked British Bulldog in the face. Yeah, well, I was going to say, this is one of my notes. Lennox Lewis walks out, British Bulldog, for an even extra pop. Uh, Brett, yeah, Brett kicks Bulldog in the face. Uh, the bull, it's a thirty, it's a thirty-minute match, and Bulldog was high the entire match on like yeah. cocaine. Um, which you find out in some interviews with Brett. Um, and in his book. Yeah, yeah. and it, it was just an, like the whole, you know, he kicks, or Davey breaks the sharpshooter. You know, it's a surprise finish, just the way he locks him in. Uh, Brett does the sunset flip and tries to pull him down, and Davey just gets him. The whole angle with Diane, the sister, you know, Brett's Davey boys married to Brett's sister, how they work that yeah, in. I got gotcha. um, Okay. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. All right. Fa- what do you mine, got, I, did, I, I have Owen versus Brett in the 94. Which uh, one? The you you the that, cage, the cage match, match or the, the WrestleMania cage, the yeah. cage match. Yeah. Yeah. Very oh, underrated that's a good match, pick, man. Yeah, because I just distinctly to this day when when you know Owen goes to win and just gets his leg caught in the cage and and Brett jumps down. Um, Great pick yeah, there. That's what I got. Um, okay, best WrestleMania of all time. Drew, you go first. Uh, I actually I just I just wrote this down as we started the podcast because I couldn't decide. Uh, I was between 18 and 8. I'm going to go 8 because I'm just an old school guy. I The talent on it was just great. You have Sid Hogan, Flair Savage, Hart Piper, Jake the Snake Undertaker, um, you know, Warrior, and, you know, the uh, the Godfather show up at the end. Papa Shango misses his yeah, spot. To be yeah. fair, I only go up to rest. I only, I kind of stopped in 2001. So, like, all the other stuff after that, I didn't see. Um, so, that probably puts me around WrestleMania 20. But yeah, I'm gonna uh, go WrestleMania. No, gotcha. WrestleMania X7. Jim, what do you got? Okay. Yeah, say so what, um, what you got, Jim. Uh, WrestleMania 17 by far is the best WrestleMania. I, what year was I've that? Seen, that was 2001. Okay. okay yeah. I mean that card, top to bottom, outside the the heel turn from Austin at the end, which was so stupid. Yeah. Um, the entire card, top to bottom, is probably one of the best cards I've seen. I mean, like Teddy and I have said, from 
17 prior to what, like 22 or something, yeah. you could say that those cards were, those WrestleManias were really good. Teddy? Yeah, that, that, that's my pick. And all I'll, all I'll add to that is that that's the apex of the Attitude Era. If you want to pick a card that embodies, you know, the Attitude Era, that's it. It had everything. It had storylines. It had legends with the gimmick Battle Royal. You had Vince, Vince versus Shane. So you had some family storylines and you had great matches top to bottom. Best WrestleMania. Got to be 17. Okay, okay, I I um I have eleven, nineteen ninety five, and um. <laughs> Let me just say, Jordan, that's that's widely considered probably the worst WrestleMania. I've oh, it's the best, the absolute best. Oh, I love it so much. Oh, oh I love that you picked that one. I just oh, swallowed yeah. my beer. Oh yeah, I love it oh, so much. Goodness. Undertaker versus King Kong. Ted DiBiase has had. I'm surprised you didn't pick WrestleMania ten. Yeah. No, I love, I love this one the mess. Salt and Peppa were there singing "What What a Man." <laughs> Jonathan oh Taylor God. Thomas was out there too. Taylor, Lawrence Taylor, Lawrence Bam Bam. Oh yeah. yeah, I love it. I love it. Oh, that's fantastic. No, a widely okay. considered bottom five WrestleMania. I love it. Oh no, my one of my, my favorite by far. I love it. Pamela Anderson and Jenny McCarthy were there. Get roll out of time. Roll time. Roll time. Roll on that. Yeah. Roll, roll time. Out of on that. Roll time. Owen roll Hart, time. Yokozuna versus the Smoking Guns. I'm I'm all over this. Oh, oh. I love it. I love it. Oh man. hundred oh, percent. I didn't see that coming. Hundred percent. I didn't oh, see that coming. Oh, I'm not changing. That I didn't see that anything. coming either. That I gotta best. be honest. Awesome. Uh, all right. All best right. WrestleMania match of all time. Who are we going? Teddy, first? go first. Yeah, like I I already said it before. I mean. I was there, Taker, Shawn Michaels, the first one. It, it, to me, it's the best because it's just a great match. And then I'll put Bret and Austin, Mania 13, right behind it. I'll go second. Uh, this is a wild card. WrestleMania 8, Bret Hart, Roddy Piper for the Intercom title. Nice. Got the psychology, great finish, great story yes. leading up to it. Um, I did put as a caveat, Shawn Michaels' Kurt Angle was absolutely phenomenal, but I didn't watch great any match. of it. I, I didn't watch. I, I I stopped watching wrestling, so like I, I didn't see the Raws and the Smackdowns leading up to it. The only thing I know about is the uh, Kurt Angle "I'm a sexy boy" thing that he did with Sherry. That was, that was awesome. I was watching yeah. that recently. That's a good. I get a good laugh out of yeah, that. Yeah, that I mean, I hate Shawn Michaels, but that that match is just All right. fucking awesome. What do you got, Jim? I got Sta- Savage Steamboat WrestleMania three for the Intercontinental Title. I'm I know you like regarded that. Regarded as the best, probably one of the best WrestleMania matches of all time, but. This is a shout-out to Sunday, Chris Jericho on the Broken Skull Sessions. WrestleMania 19, Shawn Michaels versus Chris Jericho. Stole the show that night. That's a good one. I like it. I can't wait to hear Jordan's. I, I honestly don't even have one. Taker versus King Kong Yo, Bundy. Ba- what about Bam Bam versus Doink? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Hey, listen, since uh, you don't have one, I'll give a shout-out to a couple. Just just a quick couple. Brett and Shawn, yeah. Mania 12, the Iron Man, TLC 2. TLC two yeah. was great. Uh, Absolutely. In the later years, Daniel Bryan versus Triple H to open WrestleMania thirty, and then Rock Hogan at Mania eighteen, wow, yeah. and Warrior Savage at WrestleMania seven. That was really good. Yeah. Yep. All right. Favorite nineties gimmicks. I think you should start that one. Yeah, this was, this was, I, this that. was specifically for J O. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I I got three. Um, <laughs> The Godfather. Yes. 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 Um, Mankind slash Socko. Very nice. Very good. And this one holds a special place in my heart. 
but I think at the time it was billed as the midget match, Doink the Clown and Jerry Lawler. Yeah. Oh yes. The, yeah. I don't. I don't know why. As a child, I just got a kick out of that so 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 much. So th those are my three favorite gimmicks of the night. Nice. That's what, good. What you got Tato. Well, it, Doink is my number one. I, I just yeah, Doink is so good. I've always, if you know me, I've always been fascinated by clowns. I love clowns. I don't know why. I've like never them. known this about you. What the fuck? Yeah, you know about this, man. I'm a big fan of horror movies with clowns. Doink, <laughs> Doink was my guy. He's number what? one. Yeah, evil Doink, right? Evil, evil Doink, Doink right? evil Doink. I know you like yeah. Chucky, but I didn't. I didn't realize you were a clown no, guy. I, lo oh. I love Doink, man. Come okay. on. Okay. And, and here's here's I'll, Drew will like this one a WCW one I'll just throw this out there Glacier and Morton. oh yes somebody said Glacier Glacier yes. and Morton. <laughs> I'm so pumped for that and I also got to throw in here Papa Shango the guy scared the crap out of me as oh, a kid nice. I would run out of the room every time he came. Yo Papa Shango definitely and, and, I, and one uh, one uh, well one what's hilarious uh, Jay I don't know if you know that but. Papa Shango is the Godfather. Is the Godfather, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. One honorable mention: that. the Repo Man always cracks Yo, me up. Yo, Repo yes, Man, Repo yes. Man, yes. What's mine is mine, and what's yours is mine too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Drew, uh, I went to the Cloud because I mean, he, the guy. Oh that, my gosh, that, that guy, Wait, that guy, that guy survived. Jimmy, he survived like twenty. Yeah. Else. He survived no, like doing. twenty years, and then Jericho like reprised the role for a night. It, it's a staple, man. You can't. Doink uh, is over. Yo, yeah. Dyke is yeah, so, so over. over. You can't J beat it. Jimmy uh, B. Jimmy B. Who's your favorite '90s gimmick? Man, I mean, I wanna because of the sport I play. I wanna say the goon. The goon. For the goon. <laughs> That's right. But but one of my all-time favorite gimmicks of the '90s, probably early '90s. It's gotta be Repo Man. I mean, the yes. dude was awesome. Like, <laughs> Repo, Repo Man. Man was awesome. <laughs> this guy, just come out, his song, everything about him was awesome. But I'll give a shout out to the Big Boss Man, too. I liked his gimmick as well. Hey, how about the uh, Mountie? You're Canadian the guy. The Mountie, absolutely the Mountie. That, yo, SummerSlam 91, the jailhouse match. Somebody right. is going to jail. That's right. We're spending the night in jail. And how about IRS? IRS. I was, I IRS thought, is really I yo, money Inc, baby. Up, money incorporated. Great gimmick. I thought someone might bring up um Jake the Snake, even though that's more eighties, but still That's I, a good it, gimmick as well. That's a great gimmick. Um all right. Most underrated rivalry. Uh Teddy, lead us off. Yeah, I got a couple, but I'll just give you one that I liked. Uh probably gonna go with Chris Jericho and Shawn Michaels, because they, they had the good match at Mania nineteen, but later on when Jericho came back with his suit wearing you know serious gimmick where he was no longer doing those catchphrases they put on a hell of a ladder match at no mercy 2008 i think is when it was they had a, a nice almost year-long feud uh i think in 2008 so that's kind of like the more of the pg era but jericho okay. and Shawn michaels to me all right drew i'm going sting vader I feel like Ooh, this is one of the best wow. early '90 rivalries that nobody talks about. Um, they have, yeah, you know, they had a ton of a ton of matches. Three three big ones: Great American Bash '92, Vader gets the title off Sting, King of Cable Tournament, Starcade '92, and then Super Bowl three, the infamous White Castle of Fear Strap match, which was <laughs> so ridiculous. The that montages ridiculous. that led up to it. Um, but I just thought it was you know, yeah, Babyface Sting on the rise. Like you needed a heel. Flair had left WCW. And WCW gets this monster Vader. I'm a big Vader guy. Uh, 
Me and like too. the bash, it's a shame fit. he didn't go over in WWF. Yeah, well, because Sean, yeah, because Sean yeah, buried him because he's Sean, a loser. Right? Um, but you know, like the, the Great American, the only last thing I'll say real quick, the Great American Bash finish was probably the only finish I actually like in WCW because it showed like you know Sting, Sting just is making his comeback. He hits the Stinger splash on Vader, but he goes so over the top that his head hits the pole. And then Vader power bombs him. It just shows like the, the shit where they got to do these triangle matches now because they don't want guys to lose because they'll lose their pop. It's like that's an example where like you could come up with a finish where your like star can lose and not you know not be buried. You get that rub. Yeah, exactly. That rub. So that's my yeah, and I I think Vader is okay. immensely underrated. So Sting Vader. Well, that was a long answer. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I had to get right, so off I'll, keep, I'll keep Jimmy it v. short. I'll keep it short and sweet for you guys. An underrated feud. Go back to 94, Brett and Owen. Okay. It even starts in 93 at the Survivor Series, goes through 94, goes through the start of 95 uh, at the Royal Rumble with the interferences with Bob Backlund gets involved. They kind of, they kind of, it's kind of settles down, but then the Hart Foundation come back together. So you get a full circle there. And if you even want to throw in Jerry Lawler and Brett Hart too, that oh, nice. is kind of underrated one, yeah. as well. That's a good one, too. But you got um, Razor Ramon versus Shawn Michaels. I don't okay. know nice. if that counts. Yeah, that's, that's, good. Good. Yeah, that's really but, um, good, yeah. yeah that's those, those intercontinental matches with the ladder matches were just awesome. They, yeah. From what I remember, I don't know if they, they... I'm sure they did have ladder matches before that, but like... Yeah, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels had the first ladder match. Yeah, those were Razor Ramon. I, Razor Ramon was my first true love, and so <laughs> um, yeah, they, those were great. No, great choices, and yeah, th- that really was the first ladder match on a big stage that Mania Ten won. Brett and Sean did have one prior to that, but that was really the first ladder matches that you saw oh, between yeah, those two. Yeah, pay per view, big time. That's yeah. a good one. Um, most disappointing match and or storyline. Um, let's start with Jim. Man, most disappointing. You know, it's regarded as probably one of the worst matches ever, um, and probably one of the worst storylines ever. Shockmaster, please say Shockmaster. Please say Shockmaster. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say Shockmaster. I was gonna say Diesel and British Bulldog at in your house. Oh, when the lights you, went if out. If any of you say WrestleMania 11, my favorite WrestleMania, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> you I don't have that have. on my list. <laughs> I don't have that on my list either. Okay. But that's the one where the light, the lights went out, right? Where didn't the power go out for that in your house where it was Bulldog? No. Diesel? That, no, that was the one up in like Manitoba where they had the main event and Vince just Beware walked of off dog. after. Oh, Beware Dog, okay. Yeah. He just walked off. He's like, he just he's just, he just put the headphones down and just what walked year out was of the that? building. That was 95. 95. 95. Yeah. Uh, Teddy? Uh, I'm going to just pick a storyline. Uh, easily, the invasion, WCW. Oh, yeah, that was so bad. Uh, be- because of the fact that a lot of the guys in WCW, when they were bought out, uh, they-, they could just sit and get paid for about a year without having to show up. Uh, you didn't get a lot of the big names showing up initially when they invaded WWE. So you didn't get Ric Flair, Goldberg, Hogan, Nash Hall until almost 2002. So to me, that's one of the most disappointing storylines. It was very poorly booked. And had we had every superstar healthy, it might have been way better. True. The only the other one where I didn't have to think. Uh, Bret Hart versus Sting, Havoc '98. Oh, As oh, a kid, God. there I was I I wanted nothing more than the Sharpshooter versus the Scorpion Deathlock, and the match was just basically it was the shits. Uh, 
Yeah, it was awful. Yeah. It's Bret well, Hart. Bret didn't care. Bret, yeah, Bret, really. Bret Hart just beat Sting to death with a fucking baseball bat. I, I, I've never been if, more. If upset you're throwing that out there, you could just say you could just say Bret Hart in WCW in general, very yeah. disappointing. But that, yeah, that yeah. that match, I was pumped, and it was just, I, yeah, I was pissed. Yeah. yeah. All right. So All right. my <laughs> mine's a little bit silly and very specific, but so remember that house match when. Diesel won the belt off of Backlund in like oh, two yes. seconds. Oh yeah, yeah, it. So yeah. that that made me think that like house ma- matches like actually counted, and so then remember, <laughs> remember, remember when they had like the build up of the casket, the first casket match of Yokozuna versus Taker. Yes. And so they were in a house show in Pittsburgh that I went to for my birthday. And the Taker body like choke slammed Yokozuna into the casket and shut the casket, and I was like, "What the hell?" I was like, "They have a pay per view match coming up. Is he dead now?" I was like, "What the hell?" Now? I was like, <laughs> and then they just like went on like it never happened, and I was oh, like, "What's going it. on?" That's yeah. when you found out. Okay, these house show matches are just really nothing. <laughs> I was like, "Did these yeah. count or not?" I was like, "He <laughs> dropped the belt in three seconds in the other match." Hey, so as a wrestling fan, that's kid. disappointing. That's when you find out things are not on the up and up. You know? No, exactly. Because Taker that's, probably should have been a champ. That's funny, man. That's a good. Yeah, one. I was. Yeah, that was funny. But um, all right. Favorite. A couple more of these. Favorite catchphrase. Um, Drew. Damn it! No, do do Teddy first. Teddy. What are you What are you gonna do? Are you doing Bret Hart? No, I'm not. I'm just going to do, and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. Jimmy. If you smell what the rock is cooking. Drew. Boom. I love it. I love it. Perfect. You can even you can even throw in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. The Two Beers Podcast brings you. That's right. I will say that uh, the the mark obvious one, best there is, best there was, best there ever will be. Yeah, but definitely. Here here's here's my actual list. Pimpin' ain't easy. <laughs> yes. Have a nice day. Yep. Rest in peace. Excellent. You guys covered the other ones, and then hat tip to drink your milk. Take your vitamins and do your homework. And, and another hat tip to being absolutely perfect. Uh, and yeah. how about how about not just with Stone Cold, uh, with with the what chance? Those were great. Any Y yes. any Y two J uh, catchphrase <laughs> was great. And uh, an underrated one for me. How about Goldust? You'll never forget the name of Goldust. Okay, yeah, and uh, I always like the the beginning of the song too. You think you know me? Edge. edge thing. That's my guy, man. That's my guy. (laughs) Um, All all right. right. Uh, Best slash favorite promo. Who's up? Um, Drew. I'll go first. Uh, I was trying to debate whether I should do a serious one or a funny one. Uh, I I just went just... It's a mix of both. Rock, December fourth, two thousand, right before Armageddon, Very where he imper- he imp- he impersonates all five of the guys he's fighting: Kurt Angle, Rikishi, Taker, Triple H, and Austin. Oh, good one! Yeah, he's doing. Yeah, he's yeah, like, the, and the best I is where I was there for that. I think that was at the Meadowlands. If I'm uh, I think that was at Meadowlands too, right? Yeah, he, I think so. Like the Kurt Angle one was funny, but then when he does Triple H, I'm the gamer, and I got a <laughs> wife that's a two dollar whore. Uh, close second uh, was uh, Chris Jericho's first night on Rock going at it with the rock oh that was really good all right teddy uh the birth of stone cold steve austin austin 316 king of the ring 96 and you mentioned it before jordan bret hart 
pissed off after he lost that cage match. First time you heard cursing on WWF television. Nice. That one was great to me because it was just a shock out of nowhere. We always talk about it. That's probably where the seeds for the Attitude Era might have been planted with that yeah, promo. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And he shot these yeah. things to the I'm, ground, I'm, too. I'm glad you guys had specifics yeah. on that because it sticks yeah. in my mind. Yeah. And I would have never been able to pr- place the year or yeah. anything about it. So that's yep. awesome. And one I more time, who was, involved, who was involved in that? I don't know. Teddy? Psycho Sid. Psycho Undertaker. Sid. Stone well, we were going for, I, was, I, was, I was going for Bret Hart again. Just set, Bret yeah, Hart. Bret Hart. Hart. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, sorry. The innovator. The innovator. J- J- Jim B. <laughs> um, all right. I got a couple here. Um, favorite promo. Got to be one of my favorites is Macho Man Cup of Coffee. The big time. Uh, after... With the with the Intercontinental title, talk about Ricky Steamboat right before WrestleMania three. One of my favorites. Oh, it's a shame that it will not be on Peacock. However, you go look it up on YouTube. DX Parody of the Nation, nineteen ninety eight. Great stuff. So funny, awesome. Jason Sensation doing Owen Hart. Deep one of the best things on Monday Night Raw during that time, and and Teddy hit it. You know, Stone Cold three sixteen. The King of the Ring that year, and the fact that he just, you're you're told that all Jake said was something about John three sixteen, and he just went with it off the cuff. And he just off the cuff because he came back after getting stitches. That was kind of cool. CM Punk pipe bomb also on there. Nice. And I'm surprised you didn't mention your boy there, uh, Royal Rumble '92, Ric Flair after he won the title. That is a really good promo. You know. The problem is you use it so much. Put that, that cigarette like, out. Put <laughs> that cigarette out. It, and the tear in my eye. This is the greatest moment in my life. <laughs> Y'all pay homage to the man. That's right. Woo! You got what do you, you got one, J.O.? Um, so I, I not necessarily other than I, I was um, spitballing with my brother uh, beforehand, and he brought this up, and I just wanted to mention it because this is hilarious. <laughs> do you remember the freaking Jerry Lawler kiss my foot match where oh, like, like for for weeks it was about just their foot getting all yes. stanky and stuff? Yeah, oh, yeah. King of the Ring. 95. He's like yeah, he's like putting it in all this crap and stuff. You know, oh, yeah, yeah putting like pig manure and stuff. Can you imagine oh. a creative meeting? Vince McMahon saying, "Hey, hey, Jerry, you're gonna bring your foot out." And talk about how stinky your foot is, and Burhardt's gonna kiss it. Like just they're think about gonna that. love that shit. They're gonna, they're gonna love put that. it in the pig manure. Oh, God. Uh, one one so promo funny. we didn't mention, none of us mentioned. I had here uh, Hulk Hogan after joining the NWO, turning on WCW. That's that was all, really good. That's an all timer because that's that's another one that kind of swung. The also, remember remember when Savage and Hogan went to WCW, so WWF uh, made fun of them with the, the huckster, uh, yeah, the, the huckster, huckster and the nacho man, the huckster and the nacho man, yeah. Nacho man. Ooh, yeah, nacho man. <laughs> that was it. All right, two more, and then and then we can wrap this up. Not favorite 90, 1994 memory is an homage to me. Thank you. Yeah, so you start. You started question. off. You started. So off. you started off. Taker versus Taker SummerSlam '94. Let's go. Love it. My mo- my mom hand stitched a costume for me for Halloween that year. <laughs> you were the Undertaker. I was the under and my oh, my buddy my buddy my awesome. buddy's mom my buddy's mom hand stitched him a costume and we were undertaker versus undertaker for halloween that's awesome. tell me that's you have cool. pictures of this jordan you yeah. got pictures of this if i find them i'll tell you but you i, gotta I tweet haven't them. seen them they gotta go they gotta go on the twitter page oh, look i uh, i mean like they're in my parents attic somewhere yeah. i got uh, like I'll, you gotta I'll, like, get those pictures tell, you need to call gloria right after this this podcast <laughs> yeah we gotta see that uh, all right teddy 
Uh, yeah, that was on my list. I'm going to go with, uh, you know what? Let me go with the take. Uh, Taker and Yokozuna at Rumble 94 where The Undertaker gets resurrected to heaven. I don't know if you that remember that. That was good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. Like 10, ten guys threw him in, in, in the casket. He gets taken out. All of a sudden on the big screen you see The Taker saying, the spirit of The Undertaker will never die. And then all of a sudden... Some, you know, his body gets levitated through the Titantron. Who got levitated? That was Morty Jannetty, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, You know, (laughs) taking up the Wait, that wasn't even The Undertaker that they... No, that was was Morty Oh my God, I never knew that. That was Morty Jannetty. And and, and Taker, that's what led to him being off the whole summer and Leslie Nielsen coming in and The Undertaker versus The Undertaker. Leslie Nielsen. That stood out to me a lot because as a kid, I was like, oh my God, is The Undertaker like really dead? Is he resurrected? I know, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Is Yokozuna Jim? getting out of that casket? He's got to wrestle yeah. on a pay-per-view in three days. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Hey, when you're like Jim? seven, eight years old, you have no idea. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm going to stick with The Undertaker, but I'm going to go to Su- uh, Survivor Series 1994 and the, the second casket match. Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris was yes. there. All oh, these guys man, tried to come down call. and interfere. And Chuck Norris just starts roundhouse kicking <laughs> everybody. Does it get more? Does it get more 1994 than Chuck Norris? No, no, absolutely. No, in Texas, oh, and the God. opening of that with like Gorilla Monsoon and Vince McMahon and those cowboy hats. The start of Survivor Series '94. Just love it. Todd Pettengill was wearing one of those vests with like the uh, the strings yeah. coming down it. Oh, yeah, true. Cool. What do you got, Drew? Uh, WrestleMania 10. I still remember yeah. it was a Sunday. That was when they did them in the afternoon. Me and my brother going over to our two buddies' yeah, house. Yeah, wasn't that like a four? I think it was like yeah, a it was like four a four o'clock, o'clock start. start. Yeah, we we were. Wow. I think the only time I've ever had Little Caesars pizza in my life. Uh, you that's know, a specific memory. Brett, uh, I remember that's why it's it's my favorite memory. Like Brett Owen, Brett Yoko, Luger, Oyoko, the ladder match. It, the ladder MSG, match is MSG man, and then like the it ends with all the guys in the ring, Brett on the shoulders, and then the seat is set with Owen coming out being pissed. Nice. Love that man. Yeah. All right, let's bring this home. And I always like to keep <coughs> this under two hours, so let's bring this home. Uh, most rewatchable pay per view, Teddy. Okay, I'm gonna just gonna go with two that I love that are more recent. I don't. You guys probably never watched them. One Night Stand, 2005 and 2006. It's it was W ECW. If you guys remember ECW, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah they came, they came back. They brought them back for for one night only. They brought back all the originals. Some of the guys that were in WWE that used to be in ECW went back to their old school gimmicks. Those are two of the most rewatchable pay per views and uh, WrestleMania 17 as well. Nice. Okay, Jim. WrestleMania 17 for me, very easily rewatchable. I'll go even more current. I'm going to say if when they become rewatchable and you can figure out a way to do it for free, obviously it's probably on YouTube, go find a way to watch Revolution 2020 AEW. Really good card. Uh, I know I'm an AEW mark, but that was that was that was that was that Paige Paige Omega versus the the Young Bucks? Yep. And, and Moxley, that was MJF was title, and right? MJF and Cody Jericho Moxley. Yeah, great. Right, uh, yeah, that cool. card was just really good. All right, true. I knew nobody would have this, and it's so lame. But in your house, Final Four, I watched. Really I, good. I watched really that. Good. It's just the main event. The rest of the pay per view sucks. The main event: Bret Hart, Taker, Austin Vader, over the top pinfall submission for the world title. I probably watched that thing fifteen times a year. It's not even just because Bret wins. I got it, but that was on my birthday. Awesome. Yeah, great paper. Dude, yeah, great, great man. Event. Great I love, I love the idea. I love the whole thing. And it was all set up because Sean was a little bitch and forfeited the title because he didn't want to drop it. He lost his smile, man. What yeah, he lost his smile. Lost his smile. He, he was being a prick. There you go. 
Jay, what uh, you got? And my favorite, just just to get a good laugh, and plus it was awesome, the 94 SummerSlam. <laughs> oh, so good. So good. Um, before you wrap you know it what? up. Before you wrap it up, just uh, I'll name th- Canadian Stampede, Rumble 2000, yeah, Deadly so Game. Those are all good ones. Money yeah, in the Canadian Bank. Yeah, Canadian Stampede. Canadian Stampede, I think it only had like four matches, but it was really yep. good. And Money yeah. in the Bank with Punk and Cena was also a good one. That was really good, yeah. I could watch WrestleMania 10 over again, too. Definitely. Yeah, that actually 11? had a pretty... You mean 11? Pro- I was just... Okay. Yeah, yeah, you mean 11. <laughs> so, um, all right, I'm going to wrap this up. Jim, Teddy, it was great having you guys on. We've been wanting to have the collab for a while now. ton of fun. I, ho- I hope the listeners enjoy this. Hey, um, thanks for having us on, man. Yeah, gonna... thanks for having us Teddy, on. Teddy, I'm drunk, but I did remember. You want to throw out the, the uh, Insta one more time? I do, and I just want to say I, I appreciate you guys giving us the love on social media. You're always plugging us, so we appreciate that. Thanks for having us on. We want to do this for a while, but the Instagram is at night underscore cap underscore recap. Jimmy B, never stop wearing that striped hat. You are the man on that. That, that I appreciate is that. Money. I appreciate that. The first time I had it on, Teddy's like, never take it off again. <laughs> oh, you just you and that hat are made for each other. And, Absolutely. And two things. Just make sure you guys do a Peaky Blinders a season five recap. Oh, we're finishing. Oh, we are, yes, we are going to yes. finish this podcast <laughs> if it kills us. And Jordan <laughs> is coming. Never stop calling out Drew for his player hater player haters ball of just hating on random guys because he just doesn't personally like them. <laughs> Spearman that Rhino. That's it. And whenever uh, you guys want to talk football, I'd love to come on here and talk football with you guys. All right, man. Awesome. All Thanks right, for coming boys. on, guys. Thank Drew, you. Right. as usual, that was a great talk. See you out there. Big kisses, everybody. Sit down. Pull you that first round. You got an open count, toss it out, everybody's cold right now. Stir up the crowd, get you that second round. Go on and throw it out, talk about anything that makes you get loud. <laughs>